0: What's happening, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Wrapping with Reef Bum. I'm your host, Keith Perklammer. So, on today's live stream, I welcome back Chris Meckley from ACI Aquaculture. What's up, Chris? What's happening, buddy?
1: What's, what's going on, Keith? How you doing, man? Uh, thanks, everybody, for joining Um Excited to be back. Uh, Always enjoy coming on your show and having some good conversation. We're just not going to be talking about the particular topics we've been talking about for the past three episodes that we've done. uh, I'm not even going to mention what it is. Everybody should know. Don't say it. (laughs) Don't say it.
0: Don't say it. You're going to lose a bet from what I've heard. Um, So for those of you folks that don't know Chris, he's um, the owner. He and his wife, Amanda, run uh, ACI Aquaculture. It's a coral wholesaler in Plant City. Florida, they have a whole staff of great folks down there and, um, but before we get into the conversation, I want to thank the sponsors of this live stream, both Folk Reef Supply and Ecotech Marine. And I also want to uh, thank you folks out there for tuning in. Looks like we have a whole bunch of folks tuning into the live stream and I appreciate the um, the support from you folks, please spread the word, smash, smash that like button so we get more people into the, uh, the live stream. I see almost 60 uh, people right now and we've got only 23 likes. we got to get that like number up. So, uh, all right, I'm going to say the word for you there, uh, Chris. We are not talking about Cockwasser or PH on this show. Those topics are, uh, are off limits. <laughs> so maybe, uh, you know, We'll um, maybe we'll be talking around the uh, those topics. I don't know, but we're going to be talking mostly about corals uh, tonight on the uh, on the show. I've got like a ton of video. You and you and Amanda sent me a whole bunch of uh, pictures and videos of the uh, of the farm. I've got a whole bunch of video of corals that I've picked up from you guys over the last year. That have, they're they're uh, videos of of the corals in my systems and how they've progressed and. So it'll be a lot of fun, Chris, man, to kind of like talk about all these different uh, corals and, and you can kind of like give the uh, the background and and uh, give us some some uh, interesting tidbits about all the different stuff that that you guys have there that, are, that you're growing out, that I've been growing out. So I'm looking forward to the discussion, man.
1: Me too. I know there's nothing, I mean, I love talking about corals, you know, and I love talking about how to maintain and keep corals. But it has it been way too long since I've had a really good long chat about what we do when it comes down to farming our corals, how we farm our corals, the different types of corals that we have on our farm. I mean, we've got a little bit of everything. And um, I know you, you, you're probably enjoying all those stick photos that we uh, sent over to you because um, I, 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 I am. Could... <laughs> There's a couple of them that... Um, when we actually got the photos, a good macro shot of them, I'm just going, "Wow!" Um, I actually am speechless. I'm starting. I'm starting the slideshow
0: right now, dude. It's just like it's spectacular, you know. And it, I think you're watching on the other uh, on your side there on YouTube. There'll be a yep. little bit of a uh, delay, but you know, we're kind of scrolling through them pretty quickly here. And and um, yeah, I don't know. Do you want to kind of talk in general? but uh, that right
1: there that first picture that's the one that blows my mind i mean it, i don't even have a name for it it was just a chance piece we threw up on the uh on the farm because it looked like it had some potential and it's been sitting there for oh probably about i think i put that one back there in january and sure enough that thing turned into an absolute gem grows fairly good for us um now i just have to sit there and really look at it and figure out which species it is but i mean there's there's so many corals other than acros that we're farming. I think that's probably, if I break it down, it's, you know, I think we had it at the end of the year and on my numbers, I got so many numbers in my head. I think it was about 1800 different corals, a lot of the same species, different genotypes, but acros is a very small portion of it. When I break it all down and think about it, you know, there's like 250 different acros, but the rest of that is LPS corals and a handful of softies and, uh you know the, the the challenge i think that we have mostly with farming is um being able to keep them all in the same system mm. and um it's been fun figuring that out and the method that we're doing it works works extremely well it's just a matter of figuring out the best place the sweet spots for the corals and uh, you know we have found the spots for the acros as you can see with those with those photos there that's in the new farm system and um, uh, we're going to be putting, um, an entire thousand gallon tank in, well, it's already in, it's just, I haven't had the time to actually put the array together and put all the, uh, Amazing corals in there to continue their um, journey to uh, being released on the market.
0: I'm showing the, um, Chris, the video now. You'll see it in, the, in a few seconds of the uh, kind of it's overhead shot of the farm and the facility and all that stuff. So it's just kind of pointing out all the different um, systems that you guys have. Do you want to just uh, quickly take uh, everybody through? You, you, we were talking before the stream, You almost 20,000 gallons of water in your
1: uh, facility there. Yes, um, we have... Uh, three main farm systems um that's 1300 gallons then um that is the i gotta put my glasses on here that's the soft core system was what we were showing here and then we've got um you know frag system which is 1600 gallons and it's, it's saying you know, on the video here but the two wild coral systems actually has three three total wild coral systems um it, they're all between 1,300 and the biggest ones, five, almost 5,000 gallons. And, you know, we've, we've um, been fortunate enough to be able to keep so many of these beautiful animals in our possession and learning how to um, keep them cohabitating together has was a challenge in the beginning. Um, but with what we do, um, we've kind of figured out, you know, that pretty much all the corals like the same water parameters. It's just a matter of... Flow and light, and the balance with nutrients is also something that's very key. And um, we've we've kind of dialed that in over the years and uh, figured out the easy, the best way to keep all these amazing animals in one system and not have major issues. Um, it's a challenge. I you know I, I I know Jake comes over here when he was over here. He's just like, wow, you got all this stuff in one big system. He's like, you don't have SPS dominated tanks. You don't have LPS dominated tanks and You know, it it really is an art and um, anybody can do it. It's just a matter of figuring it out. And I can't figure it out for anybody in particular because everybody's system is different. And, you know, when I find a place for a coral to sit and I know that they're happy and growing, we pretty much keep them in that particular area all the time. Um, And we put a frag over here to see, okay, is it going to do better? Is it going to grow faster or, or change color or look better? if we move it to a different area and in most cases it goes right back to where they were, you know, the happiest that we've found over the years of farming some of these corals. Um, And I think that it's um, good that we're talking about all this water that we deal with, Um, you know, maintaining all of them has become so simple and easy with um, what we call the ACI method. And um, it, 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 it has been very beneficial for us for time as well as just for the animals overall, survivability, not just surviving. I mean, we've got animals that are thriving that I never thought we'd be keeping in captivity long term like Ghaniapuras. I mean,
2: yeah, you
1: know, my Ghani gardens are so amazing right now. And it's like, I, can't, I just can't wait for them to get to the point where I can cut them down and start truly propagating them and show them to the world and offer them up. You know, that's uh, the ultimate goal. We, you know, sh- show my, uh, you know, turn my passion into my business and not feel like I work every day of my life, um, mm-hmm. and then be able to share it with everybody, you know, on a wholesale level, um, which is also a feat in itself. That's not not easy. I mean, as a retailer, you know, you can release a couple frags. You know, I need to release eighty, a hundred at one given time. And yeah,
0: that's a lot, dude.
1: The challenge of that <laughs> has been uh, something that's taken us many years to figure out, you know, and we we got it down to a science almost, I think. <laughs>
0: I think you do uh you know and and um so really is the only variable really between your systems at this point lighting and flow is it pretty much parameters are uh, dialed in for each of the different uh, systems that you have it's just a matter of like having different uh you know whether it's LED's or I know you're a uh, metal halide predominant uh, you know in terms of that that uh, that lighting but is that pretty much what it, the difference between your systems is at this point lighting and flow uh-
1: it's actually a, a lot more into it than that. I mean, we have the the three wild systems, which is the the one system is mainly soft corals, and then the other two are mainly hard corals. Uh, because it is the wild receiving systems that we that we've had for since the farm has been over there for ten years. Um, actually, it's ten years in July here is, uh, since we've been over at the farm. We moved from the old garage days. I miss the garage <laughs> days sometimes, but I. I wouldn't have what we have. We wouldn't have what we have today if it wasn't for moving, taking that leap into the, uh, into the farm. Um, But the wild coral systems are definitely completely different parameters. Um, Okay. I can't say completely different. Um, We, we tend to um, uh, we've learned over the years that balancing light and nutrients is of course key. Um, And if you want high light, you really want your nutrient levels to be on the lower side. If you want low light, you can keep your nutrient levels higher. I mean, I, my wild soft coral system has a, has a phosphate level of um, uh, it's embarrassing kind of 2.3 um, parts per million. Wow. Um, and then the, the nitrates are like 60. Um, but the corals are thriving. And then the hard corals that are in there, they're actually thriving as well. But the the light, the light is so minimal on there that it makes the balance work for us. And then our, our other two wild coral systems also have a lot of nutrients. And, and the nutrients are mainly um, from the importing of the corals. You know, how long do my suppliers have them? What died on shipping um, that's living in the rock base? Um, it was sponges? Was there you know other, other microfauna living in all the little pores and crevices? Of course there is, um, which is part of the reason why the phosphate levels um, are so high in those systems. I think it's 1.7 in the... Wow the acro system I call it because it's where we keep all of our acros and they look spectacular. Um, and I'm using the coral care gen twos. So, um, the lighting is not nearly as intense as what the other lights that I had on. Um, I think we're a hundred and like 20 par less with the coral cares, but my corals don't Brown out where they did Brown out with the more intense lighting. So again, we, balance is key. And, um, the other systems, our farm systems and our frag system are very nutrient low. I'm, actually, I'm still dosing nitrates um, daily in all of them. Very small amounts to keep the levels right around five. We, we actually remove, I did a little experiment one week. We, we actually remove about um, five PPM in three days of nitrate. And so I'm trying to match that with my dosing. And it, that's been an art. I'm trying to figure that one out. But
0: I mean, how, did the, how, did the, how did the corals respond after that? Oh by the way, y'all see Reefy, thank you so much for that uh super chat. And uh we also have some uh yes. we had we had one person uh mention the taboo topic, but Jake is uh helping police the uh <laughs> the chat in there, so I thank you, Jake. Thanks, Jake. Thanks, Jake. Thank you,
1: Jake. <laughs> Cheers, buddy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, how did the corals respond when you uh, when you dropped the nitrates that much so soon? So quickly,
1: no, actually, um, what I did do at first because we, 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 we've always struggled with nitrates in all of our farm systems, and um, that was uh, something I knew we needed to address, um, but with everything else I was working on, I didn't want to play around with that right then and there because things were going really well, um, so I ended up buying uh, getting a whole bunch of calcium nitrate in and mixed up the solution according to what Chris told me to do, and then you know, figured out the doses to get myself to um, 10 ppm, and I slowly put that in the system. And I noticed a big response from the corals, uh, especially with color, Um, especially on the acros for for more so than anything else is where I noticed the color shifting and that happened within like a week. So being the fact that the the farms have been so nutrient deficient for so long, I was depriving uh, myself of visual beauty um, Hmm. by not putting the nitrates in the system. And now that I'm adding it and I'm keeping it fairly stable, the colors are really popping a lot more, especially with everything else that we've done for the chemistry of our reef systems. Um, adding a little bit of nutrients has been has been um, huge. And I think my ultimate goal is gonna to be to try to keep my my nutrients in the farm systems right around 10. Um, five to 10 probably is is, is, is um, good enough. And maybe I'll find that I go higher because I've talked to other people that are farming corals and they've bumped it up to like 15 to 20 and they've seen really good results. So. Again, every system is different and every scenario is different and a lot of the places I'm talking to are just basically SPS people farming them and they don't have the full line of LPS and some softies and all the SPS in one system. So I'm still playing with that and eventually I'll put all the information out that we know about and um, especially with the miner and traces as well that we've been working on so that way people can kind of see our progress with the two years of working on that as well.
0: Yeah, and I definitely want to talk about um, traces, and and but we do have a couple of um, questions. I know um, Jake earlier asked, uh, I, I'm not sure I'm going to pronounce this uh, correctly, he wants an in-depth discussion on the paraclaverina. I, um,
1: paraclaverina, that is
0: paraclaverina.
1: the... Paraclaverina. Well, um, there's not very many people that know what that coral is. I think probably Jake and myself and maybe a couple of other people might know that Jake talks to because... He's the one that brought to my attention that the coral that I was talking about was paraclavrina um, it's a unique looking uh branching coral that um I think if I remember correctly he thought was um branching um mariolina and it's actually not and um hopefully when Jake's in Australia, he gets to go out and collect a couple pieces mm. of it and send me too
2: there you uh, go
1: <laughs> it's like a it's a pinkish coral if everybody knows what mariolina is it's not a um a fad or a trend um, never was it's kind of a green mazy looking growth um, kind of very similar to like um, um, like platygyra but is not I mean totally different animals um, the growth of everything is completely different they you know um, from Mer- Merlina is from from platygyra. And uh, if Jake's uh, listening, hopefully I got, got it correct that it is the, the coral that he's talking about, because I think we've just discuss, discussed it a few weeks ago about because uh, he was going to Australia and um, was hopefully going to be able to go out and get some because the person where he saw it said he has the GPS spot marked. So um, <laughs> hopefully the colony's still there and thriving, he can grab me a little piece of it. <laughs> nice.
0: Very nice. Um, so Reef Addicts uh, Merch is asking a question. It's an interesting question. Uh, would be curious if... Um, you know, either myself or Chris has any specific advice for millie growth. All of my other SPS are growing pretty quick, but the millies, um, thanks. I'm looking forward to the chat. So any, uh, any, anything in particular, uh, Chris that you, you guys see with millies? Are they, I do find do uh, tend to, you know, find them to be a little bit more, um, difficult versus other, uh, acros out there. It just seems like they can be a little uh, more sensitive to different, uh, types of conditions in the tank. What, what's your thoughts in terms of millies and, and, um, you know, any, any special tips for them?
1: Millies, millies, millies. Um, everybody's one of everybody's favorites because they're always so shaggy and hairy.
2: Yeah. And
1: if, if you take a good hard look at a Acropora millipora and you look at one inch of it and you look at how many coral are in that one inch of stick, of branch, and then you take a, say, a tenuous or a microclaudus, and you were to count the amount of coralites in that one inch, you're getting a significant larger amount of animals in that one inch of coral than what you are with all the rest of the Acropora species. Um, very similar would be like hyacinthus um, or Encitheras. Um, Very, very tight coralite growth, which means there's a lot more animals in a colony that would be the same size as something, you know, similar in size is going to be sometimes up to double the amount of polyps, which is again, if people don't know this, every single polyp is an individual animal. Um, that's why it's called a coral colony because those animals just clone themselves and grow out. And each individual animal has the same requirements as the one right next to it. So I think the biggest problem with people in their, in millies is has a lot to do with flow. And has a lot to do with the fact that most Acropora milliporas aren't collected out on the beautiful, pristine, clear, clean reefs of the Swains Reef of the the Australian Great Barrier Reef. They're growing in the inshore reefs that are what everybody calls dirty, which is just basically inshore silt from all of the currents and stuff that, you know, we got rivers running in. we got all kinds of different scenarios that aren't the same as what you get on a reef on the outskirts of, of, you know, that are out in the pristine waters. So milliporas need to be fed. Um, my experience with millies, I mean, they don't have to be fed, but if you don't feed them, they, de- they will definitely grow slower. Um, because I, I think it was Vincent Chales sent me a video one time about the growth of Acropora millipora, Acropora hyacinthus, and it was another one. And it was talking about how the growth of the skeleton is as the colony grows out. It's designed to funnel all the flow around it down into the center of of the colony. And if anybody ever notices this when you receive, say, a wild Acropora millipora, the interior polyps are always open right away. The polyps on the outer edges are usually not on a wild colony. Interior is where the food gets funneled towards and that feeds and that actually does feed the entire colony when you break it all down so feeding your acropora millipores is definitely going to be a big bonus for you and um they don't have to be blasted with light um but they do love a lot of flow and it's because of all of those little animals in that small space if the flow is not enough and one of those little animals isn't getting the flow that it needs, or one of those little polyps isn't getting the flow that it needs, and it gets unhappy and starts and dies all of a sudden. It's going to bum out but its neighbors, be, huh? That can be the chain hmm. reaction with the corals. So, back to the question: to get them to grow, feed them. Um, we use um, Invigorate Reef, or, yeah, in, Invigorate SPS.
0: Captivate Aquaculture. Is,
1: yep. I always get all the names of the foods mixed up because there's like four or five of them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we we feed that. We also feed them um, uh, a lot of phytoplankton during the day. Um, I think we feed in each one of the farm systems um, like two to two and a half gallons of phytoplankton in a week.
0: You guys there's grow your own phytoplankton?
1: No, um, I could, but um, I like to I like to spread out, you know, and support um, local aquaculture facilities. And we have a young lady samantha from aquaholics that um is right here in plant city and i just every every tuesday she messaged me same as last week mm-hmm. and it's almost always yes but sometimes i end up adding a little bit more into the concoction so that i can you know do a little heavier feedings for my corals but we target feed all of our acros i mean really? every single ps coral in our in our yeah i mean i get um andreas has been so good at it i mean i taught him how to do it once and now i don't have to worry about it anymore because he you know i go back and watch him and he's the turkey baster pulls in uh, the the captivate food, and he literally goes to each individual colony. And even if it's just the first frag that we put down that we grew, that we're growing our colony that's going to be grown into a colony, they all get splashed with uh, food. Um, with all the flow off in the system, um, we let them settle for about a half an hour after we feed. There's still the return pumps and everything running, so there's still water movement, but it's it's very fairly stagnant when you when you break it all down compared to the way it is. You've seen how much flow I've got in my systems; it's pretty. Uh, a
0: washing machine.
1: I was getting ready to say that exact same thing, <laughs> like a washing machine. Um, and you know, that's, that's um, honestly the only thing I can think of to help you with your milies is to is to feed them. Um, you know, acros love light, but certain ones do love being fed.
0: What uh, what time of the day do you uh, do you feed?
1: We usually feed towards the end of the day. Um, we don't feed it in the morning. Uh, we used to do that, and it just ended up um, throwing things out of whack with their normal morning chores, um, throwing one, you know, the feeding. Season. So we do it at the end of the day, usually around 4 o'clock. Um, the lights go out at 5. Actually, in the farm systems, they go out at 7.30. So, um, you know, we, um, nighttime, they're close to nighttime, but we can't, I'm not going to make my guy stay until 6.30 to feed the corals. So, you know we do it right before we leave, and um, but I don't think it really matters. I mean the phytoplankton we feed during the day because that's when phytoplankton is going to be most um, prevalent in the water column in the wild um, because of they, they're, they're rising to the surface to create photosynthesis. They can continue to multiply, so the corals are feeding on them then. And then ideally, if we could do it, um, nighttime feeding would be the best for the plankt- the planktivorous type foods. Um because everybody knows that nighttime when you get your flashlight out and you're geeking out on your corals that uh polyps are out. Polyps are <laughs> out.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a polyp parade. Um so somebody uh is was asking, is there much difference between live and dead Fido?
1: Um honestly, I don't have an answer for you. Um I'm sure there has to be um more benefits to anything that's living. Because um, live phytoplankton, there's not going to be a chance for any of the nutrients in it to, be, to, to remove. Or depending on how the phytoplankton was um, preserved is going to be a key thing too. I mean, um, as soon as the, the, the phytoplankton um, perishes because it's dr- dehydrated or whatnot, it does devalue the actual um, nutrient contents that the corals are going to be able to get out of it. Uh, but it's still better than not feeding anything.
0: I used to use uh reef nutrition's, uh, Fido feast and, um, I see reefer girl, Cindy is saying, I've started feeding phyto in, in careful amounts and definitely seeing more polyp extension in everything. So, yeah. uh, yeah, I, I used to feed, um, vital feast and, uh, oyster feast, but, um, I haven't been, uh, I haven't been doing that, uh, lately. Um,
1: Oyster fish can be quite expensive for me to be using. <laughs> yeah,
0: I would think so, dude. That's a lot. Uh, that's would be quite the uh, monthly bill, I would imagine, for you. So, um, I definitely want to uh, dig deeper, Chris, into the uh, discussion about corals. But let's let's talk a little bit more, just kind of in general stuff. You know, um, so I've got some video of the um, the LPS Iganiopora system that you were talking about. I'm, I'm going to start to play that. Um, so we'll uh, we'll, we'll kind of get into that discussion, but um, talk about the you mentioned a couple of times. I believe that uh, you're getting close to doing no water changes. What's that all about, dude?
1: Oh my gosh! I mean, you know, I don't care what anybody says. Reaping is a money pit, <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 and and I've always been the, you know. From my background, from where I grew up, you know, I never really had a whole lot as a kid and, you know, I'm very fortunate that the ACI has been good to me, but I'm still, I still have the mentality of you've got to be able to save money where you can save money and, um, you know, figuring out how to save money when you perfected things in the, you know, that are working and changing those things is very difficult. So with everything we've been doing over the last two years has all been to the ultimate goal of never doing another water change on my system, because we're going to hopefully achieve balance from that word, two letter word, and all the way to alkalinity, calcium, (laughs) and magnesium, and um, all the way down into your um, minor and trace elements, as well as nutrient balance. and. After playing around with the things we've done, in the, you know, that we've been doing for two years that we've been talking about forever, I really started really digging into the minor and trace elements. And I'm, I'm, I'm not even close to being where I need to be. I mean, we're still, I mean, we got close a handful of times, but it seems like every time we get close with balance, something, because of the balance taking place, something else becomes deficient that wasn't deficient mm-hmm. before. And we're attributing it to, and this is all theory. But we're putting it in practice, so we're pretty much coming up with real results. But it's taking us a lot of time, Um, and it's you know with the with the again, I'm fortunate to have ICP test on a on a weekly basis. Gene's been right there with me. He's like, you got to get this happen. You got to get the balance done. He's like, you're getting so close. He's like, you got two alerts this week. It's cobalt and silicone. (laughs) Well, bottom line, if if we can achieve the balance that I'm looking to achieve um i'll never have to do another water change because what's the point because the whole point of the water change in the past was to help replenish certain things that might be missing from our water well from what i've learned about you know over the last few years about about salts and um what claims that are in them um it's disheartening because yeah you're getting those things but you're not getting them in the levels you need them to be in and, and after what i've learned even if you did a water change on your system And the levels were exactly where they were supposed to be, but your system was deficient of all of those. And you only did a 25% water change. You're only putting 25% of those minor traces back in your system anyhow. So they're going to be depleted within a day or two or three if you're not continuously adding them back to the system. So I I believe in keeping things simple. And um, honestly, it sounds a lot more complicated what we're doing than what it really is. I think – the reason why it sounds so difficult to people is because I'm talking about the whole process we've had to go through to figure it out. That is complicated. That is difficult, but I want to be able to figure it out to the point where I can teach people or hobbyists how to do what we've done without going through all the stuff that I've gone through. And it's a matter of just listening and following the instructions over the years of experience that I have and all the ups and downs. I've eliminated all the possibilities of variables when it comes to things that are going to be very detrimental to your system. And I can relay all that information, but tweaking it, you can bring back those variables that could be very detrimental to your tank. Um, so if we get this week on Friday, when I get my test results, I'm, I'm expecting one alert, and it's the one that I refuse to dose, and that is silicone um, because silicone scares the crap out of me because I know what it can do.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, so we'll see what happens. If that happens, then um maybe somebody will talk to me and Chris will probably talk to me in the dosing some silicone in my tank so I actually achieve the balance that I'm looking for, and then that'll be a whole another long discussion. So bottom line, I don't want to do water changes. That's a money pit, especially when the system has five hundred five thousand gallons and to do it ten percent, it's five hundred gallons. Um and the salt that I use, Keith, you're using it now, and I'm sure um you've noticed big differences from it. Yeah. It's not a cheap it's not cheap. But you get what you pay for. It's like the uh, the handmade Ferrari Enzo of the reefing <laughs> world, in my opinion, because you get what you pay for. I mean, you get the, the – everything is dialed in 100% the way it's supposed to be according to the manufacturer, and I love that.
0: Yeah, you know, I think um, – I've only been using it for a few weeks. But what I love about it is that I don't have to worry about testing the freshly made – salt water for potassium or for magnesium or for whatever because you know the, we're talking about Captivate Aquaculture the um the reef, Formulate boat, reef, formulated Reef salt mix and yeah it's uh it, it kind of like puts puts your mind at ease you know it's it, it's it's a little pricey versus uh, other uh, salt brands out there but you know you like you said you get what you pay for and you know I had been using Instant Ocean and I had great results with Instant Ocean so it um you know i had had no complaints my only complaint was it was dirty you know it just um really uh dirtied up the mixing bin but (laughs) you know there was times where it was really deficient on magnesium sometimes it was very high on magnesium so i was always kind of playing that game in terms of having to dose magnesium and and uh, dial it back and i didn't even know what was going on with potassium you know you just kind of like hear these stories also about other, other salt brands and and having hiccups and whatnot in terms of certain elements being way out of whack. So, just kind of like the peace of mind, I think, is, is, um, adds a lot to the whole equation.
1: I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, you know, I was an Instant Ocean user from the beginning of my reefing career, you know, 25 years ago, maybe longer. I can't even remember anymore. But, um, it was all Instant Ocean. And, um, you know, I was happy with the results that I was getting from Instant Ocean when I was, you know getting into this and then when i had the front aci started i was i used instant ocean because it was an easy salt for me to use in a small in my garage with all the water we had running in there and when we were packing a lot of corals out for orders in a day i didn't have the room for a 500 gallon mixing back or vat or a, a 1200 gallon mixing vat like we do now And it was a 55 gallon barrel, and sometimes I was putting 55 gallons of water freshly mixed right into my system because it was what I had to do to get by. So I I have to say, Instant Ocean has been was a very good, um, um, it's very good to me for the first five years of ACI. And Mm -hmm. then when I moved into the farm, that's when um, Chris is like, now you can buy. This was back when he had his other company. You can buy this salt because you can now mix enough of it up, and now you can actually. Um, Let it mix for, a, you know, 24 hours before you use it. And just graduating from Instant Ocean to his old company's blend was like, what?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: you know, I, I thought my stuff looked good before. Now look at it. And yeah. all I did was change my salt blend, which was huge. And it, again, you get what you pay for. And if, you, if you're like me and you're a geek and you, you want more for your animals, I'm always trying to do them better. You know, I always want them to do better than what they did de- before. And everything we've been doing for the last few years, especially since Chris is back in the industry, you know, I, I told him when he got back, I'm like, you realize what you're doing to me, right? You're going to, you're going to turn me back into a chemistry geek and all the stuff that I've forgotten is all going to come right back to me. And I said, then my brain's going to make your brain explode because I'm going to have ideas. And you're gonna be like, son of a bitch. Now i got going to figure that out for you, but he loves it too. So it's like feeding each other off. But, um, you know, the, the the salt blend is very important. Um, and the way Chris does it with the four part is genius, even though he didn't even know that there was another company. I think ESV, it ESV, ESV does four ESV part. Does it. Yeah. yeah. And somebody brought that to my attention. I'm like, they do. That was I'm like, if I'd have known that, I'd have been using, <laughs> I'd have been using them. <laughs> well, um, before Chris came out with his blend. But I mean, um, the biggest thing with salt blends that people. Uh, any old hobbyist that's getting into it doesn't understand all of this they they buy a salt bucket you know and they're they're pulling salt out of that bucket well that's the worst thing you can do is to buy a bucket of salt and to pull it right off the top and mix it up because how many times did that bucket get picked up and put down picked up and put down moved here there and everywhere and all the elements the heaviest stuff just set up interesting
0: i never thought about that
1: yeah i mean that's exactly it, it all separates so you know, these companies and manufacturers of the salt blends, you know, I learned this from Chris when he was blending stuff in a salt hopper. Um, you know, he's like you got to blend it for a specific amount of time to make sure that the blend when you put all the ingredients in are homogenized. He's like, but I kept thinking, how is it when I put one gram of this particular element in, in a dry and I put it in a two ton salt hopper, how does that <laughs> homogenize? And I'm like, it doesn't. <laughs> he's like, exactly. He's like, well, have got to figure out a way to make it so that we don't have to worry about that because you're going to get overabundances of some of these really minute trace elements that are small amounts going into these big hoppers. So anyway, I'm going to go on. Bottom line, the, the, the salt blends that are in buckets, in bags, the smaller the bag, the better it is for you. In my opinion, especially for somebody that's not mixing up 200 gallons of salt or a full bucket. If you have a 40-gallon vat, get a bag of salt that's going to be perfect for you because that bag was pulled right out of the hopper and it's homogenized but by the time you get it it's settled and it's separated it's not homogenized in the bag if you just want to mix one full cup of it up in your system you're not going to have the proper balance according to what the manufacturer is telling you it's going to be all over the place and as you get deeper into the bag unless you're mixing it up and stirring it around you know, it, it, it can be a problem, but in most cases, it doesn't settle enough that it is a problem, but I've seen it happen where somebody does a water change and they didn't use the whole bucket and they have no potassium or, or no magne- magnesium in it and it bottoms out and their potassium bottoms out and the next thing you know, they're having problems with their tank and they can't figure out what's going on. It's because then it all settled to the bottom.
0: Yeah, RC, and, go ahead, Chris.
1: Yeah, and so bottom line, if you're using a 200-gallon a, a bucket mix, um, when you get it, Pick that. Some people can, some people can't. But pick it up and shake that thing all around. You know, don't ever just pick it up and move it around. Always turn it over and over and over and try to blend that stuff at the bottom back in with the stuff at the top, so you get somewhat of a homogenization, homogenization happening again, so that you're not going to be possibly do, um, doing a water change with um, salt that's very deficient in the heavier elements that could be detrimental. I mean, the, I hear about it very rarely, but. Yes, it's something that can happen. And um, when it happens to you, you're not going to know what the heck was going on. And you can't point fingers here and there because it was it's, something you do all the it's, time. It's
0: user error. Yeah, um, exactly. R.C. R- 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 Reefer is saying, Aquaforest even says on the bag to shake the bag after shipping before use. That's interesting. Perfect. Uh, That's great. Jake is saying that uh, he's he started using uh, Julian's uh, salt again. And, uh, man, it feels Good so salt. great to have. Yeah, I've never used that uh, salt, but yeah, I mean, listen, it uh, the instant, the IO was very easy to mix up, right? You just dip, uh, dump, it in, you're go. dump, yeah, you just weigh it up or whatever, you dump it <laughs> in, and then, but you know, it's obviously when you got four different parts, it's a little uh, more difficult. So, so do it, hold it, man. You turned me on to this uh, the salt, now you're bailing on me. What's going on here?
1: You, me. <laughs> no more water.
0: No more water changes. What's going on now? No. I got you. I'm
1: yeah, I mean, I will still do water changes, but I mean, I say no more water changes, but I don't think I'll ever get away from doing at least a handful of them every year. You know, I haven't decided if you know this does happen and we do achieve what we what the ultimate goal is. I haven't decided whether I'm going to eliminate water changes completely or if I'm just going to say okay, I put it on like a, a quarterly schedule where yeah. we do for a year. You know, I, I still don't think that that's a bad thing to do because <coughs> we're still dosing. You know, cal- Talkwasser. we're still dosing minor and trace elements we're still dosing other things uh, you mentioned stuff.
0: one of the taboo words there chris
1: ah but that wasn't part of the that wasn't part of the rule <laughs>
2: you're
0: gonna have to you know, you're gonna have to beer now you know because yeah you know. uh, okay uh,
2: you know, <laughs> twist my arm <laughs>
0: But you're 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 basically dialing in the um the traces. I mean that's my understanding is that you're just really zeroing in and doing a lot of ICP testing to make sure that you're um, maintaining the the amount of traces that you want to have, you know, be at in terms of those different exactly. levels. Yeah.
1: Exactly. And 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 I've I've heard a lot of this, a lot of um, you know um naysayers about about what we're doing and how it's so much more expensive and so much more complicated. And um, in reality, when I break it down, the amount of time I spend on my coral systems on a daily basis is probably not even a 10th of what it used to be when I was doing all the other things I was doing, like your three-part dosing, you know, making sure everything was dialed in, testing my water with, you know, um, know, titration kits. Um, I'm trying to simplify everything. So when I'm done with what we're doing, it's going to be actually so simple for people to be able to jump on it. It's going to be the initial process starting that is the time-consuming part of it. But once you get the process kind of figured out, your, the amount of time you spend doing things to your reef aquarium is going to be less. Your pocketbook's going to get fatter because you're not going to be spending very much money. You don't be buying alkalinity buffers. You won't, you'll be buying a little bit of calcium buffer Well. <laughs> Our our calcium demand is so high. I'm I'm still dosing you know two full cups of uh, of uh, anhydrous calcium in a um, in a uh, five gallon bucket and slow streaming that into the system once a month to get my my calcium from 390 back up to around the 420 range. In about a month period of time, it slowly falls even with all of the calcium reactor on and all of the um, calcium hydroxide that we're putting in the system. So, uh, go ahead. I was gonna say so. So, bottom line, the only reason why I would think that it would be necessary to do any water changes is because we are doing additives, and unless I'm buying the the most pure additive that's been refined over and over again to have no contaminants, nothing in it whatsoever, other than the raw material you're looking for, which the cost would be through the roof, and then all my savings would go out the window anyhow. So, I think doing a water change, you know, every once in a while, because we are gonna be adding in, um, you know, anhydrous materials um, for magnesium and calcium. Um, on occasions, that you know, is there stuff going to be in there? Minute, but doing a water change once in a while to help to dilute that is not a bad idea. So I think that water changes won't be eliminated completely. So I'm still there with you, man. I'm still using the I'm still using the formula. <laughs> Actually, I'm using Formulate X. It's Formulate X. Ooh, X-H. a special
0: blend. There is that a <laughs> special special saw blend. It is a special, it's um, pretty cool. So somebody had asked this question actually before the live stream had started and, and I thought I'd, I'd bring it up because we're talking about traces right now and um, the question is, are, are, uh, are, do you play around with traces at all um, to try to dial in certain colors or are you just essentially using traces to get to where you want to be in, in terms of um, you know the ICP test, those particular levels or do you kind of take it a step further and try to tweak some of the uh, trace element dosing to get certain colors to come out in uh, let's say acros?
1: Um, I have never really thought about all of the colors that are going to be coming out because this element does that. This element's supposed to bring out this. This element's supposed to bring out that. I've always, I would say, when I really, really started getting into farming corals over the last, you know, we've been farming corals for 15 years, but I'm really getting into it now to the point of. What, is, what, are, what are my corals missing that the ocean would be giving them that I am not providing for them in my system? And honestly, all I can think of is the minor and trace elements because nobody talks about them because everybody says that they're not important. Well, I don't like that answer. That's not good enough for me um, because the ocean has it and we aren't using it. You, we aren't utilizing it. So what is our system lacking because those minor and trace elements aren't there? I don't know 100%, but I do know that what, what I found out just by you know putting the, the isolate MT in for over a year before I started figuring out other elements that were deficient, even with dosing the MT that had those elements in, I noticed such a big difference in you know everything in the system. Colors were one of them. But two, the overall health of the animals, the polyp extension of the animals was, was tremendously different than what it was before I was using anything or even worried about the minor and trace elements. And all I was worried about was the the major three. The major three are, in my opinion, um, important. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think that alkalinity is as important as everybody thinks it is. I don't think it is at all because alkalinity in the natural seawater is in a lot of areas like 5.7 to 6.7. So why are we keeping our tanks at 83 why are we keeping them at 8.5? Why are we keeping them at 9, 10? Why? Because there's deficiencies in other parts. Is that reason? I don't know. Is it what the status quo was because that's what other reefers had found to work out really well? I'm pretty sure that's what it is. But why can't we keep our tanks at 6.7, 5.7 DKH? Because the corals are living in the ocean in that alkalinity but we can't do it in our aquarium because I know what happens. If I get my, you know, and, and I, I don't know now because I'm, I still have not had that, the, uh, say, kahunas to let my, my salinity or my alkalinity fall below where I know I'm not going to receive or not going to um, get brown jelly on my euphilias, which, again, I, I talked about this in my euphilia video a couple of years ago that we haven't had brown jelly issues unless it's a brand new import coral in uh, seven years. Like I can't just have a beautiful tank full of euphilias and then just say brown jelly, brown jelly. It doesn't happen anymore. My alkalinity doesn't go below the eight point three, the eight point six area that I like it to be in. But now that we've done all this other stuff that we were, you know, we've talked about in the past, can I let my alkalinity fall below that? Well, I can say that I did let it happen one time because a a, CO two bottle ran out and I wasn't even home to go change it, Mm. and it went down to I think six or seven point seven point five. No ill effects. Tons of euphilia in the tank. Um, so was the thing we worked on before that we've talked about so much in the past. The reason why? Because that was higher. Can we run a lower alkalinity? Which means that's even more savings for anybody just reefing. Mm. If that's the truth. Because I don't know. I'm. I don't have the cooners to try out because I got too many beautiful animals to lose in, in the process of trying it out. So Maybe start I do up. It start in up. Start
0: city. up another uh, system there, uh, Chris. A little experimentation, yeah. right? <laughs> You got the room.
1: I don't have a room. No, I don't. I was sitting there. We since you were here, we put our quarantine system in the back, and that's only 400 gallons, but it literally takes up every last lick of space we have in there. And, and you know, walking around in the place is like you know, if there's two people in the same area, you're you, you running into each other. It's it's uh, you. Uh, need new...
0: You need a bigger boat. You need a bigger. Need a bigger you boat. need a bigger boat. Um <laughs> So. um a couple of weeks ago, I had—I um, don't know if you saw the uh, the live stream. I had Dong Zo on, and he, um, from Acro Garden, scientist, very interesting. I didn't get to see the whole thing. What's that?
1: I didn't get to see the whole thing, but I saw I saw bits and pieces of it. he,
0: um, he had some interesting things to say. And one thing that he talked about, which I, I found interesting, and it, it kind of debunks a uh, a thing that I always thought was, um, you know, I always try to adhere to this, but alk swings, right? He said that uh, alkalinity swings are not that big of a deal. And, um, you're uh, shaking your head. No, you agree or disagree? I, I, I
1: agree with, I agree with them hundred percent. I, 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 I feel that, that the ones that are trying to get their alkalinity not to swing more than like 0. 0.3 or 0. 0.5 in a day, they're, they're doing more work than I'm doing with what I've been working on in my opinion, because that's not an easy task to, to, to achieve. Um, you know, you're going to have to have, you know, I mean, you can, you can, get it very close to that. And I know, I know places that have achieved something like that. I think Topshop aquatics keeps theirs very tight, but they also have, you know, when they have an issue, it swings like crazy, you know, and that's, I think more of a problem having it tight and then the swing happening. I think that's more of a problem because then the consistency was broken. If you have an inconsistent alkalinity, I mean, my alkalinity fluctuates from morning is at its peak to lights out it's at its valley and it's about, it, it depends, you know, it depends on a lot of different things. I mean, it, it varies from day to day, but it's usually about a 0.5 to up to a one point swing, um, in that 12 hour period of time. And if that was going to affect the corals, then all those photos that I have up there must be just a figment of my imagination and everybody else's. Right.
0: Yeah. I, um, I had this, you know, I'm having the same kind of experience. I mean, I, you know, I try to like keep mine between eight and nine. But you yeah. know, right now in one system it's like seven, 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 eight, and the other system it's like ten. You know, so and and they're you know they're swinging like by a point uh, over a few days. You know, because I'm I'm kind of like making adjustments on the fly or what have you to get them back down to the range that I want. But I have not seen any ill effects on my acros with those types of uh, parameters. You know, so it kind of like debunks. Uh, i mean, you know I always firmly believed that you know whenever I had seen um, some faded acros, it was due to an alk swing.
1: No, I mean, you know, if that was the case, then why when I import them are they, you know, the alkalinity in those system in, in those tanks, you know, and that's like um, from natural seawater. Basically, it's like, you know, we're not even. Well, I say it's not at natural seawater. It's like 7.5 to 7.8 when a lot of these corals come in, and then I'm going to go and put them straight into a system that, you know, my acro system where I keep all my acros that are imported. It was running around 9.5. So if that was a big problem, then why did the acros continue to stay insanely beautiful? In my system, if that swing was such a big problem for the corals and it affected them, it would have sh- surely turned them brown immediately, right? It's some you know, when you, when your corals brown out, it's another underlying factor that you don't know about and you haven't figured out yet. And, you know, it happens to me. Do I, have, do I have corals brown out? Yeah, I'm looking at this one acro a couple of weeks ago. I'm like, what the heck happened to this thing? I'm like, the thing was gorgeous two, three weeks ago. And all of a sudden Dude, now that
0: I'm same thing brown. happened to me like overnight. <laughs> like one of my favorite bright pink millies. Like overnight. Brown. out. I was like, where'd it go? I, I, where, 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 where'd it go? I was like, holy crap, man, that thing like, was super bright pink and it turned brown. And it was almost yep. like overnight, you know? And so yeah. um, this actually happened right before I started using uh, the Captivate uh, Aquaculture uh, salt and traces, you know, and, and I so I did some ICP tests. I did the Reef Labs it- uh, ICP tests and, and um, you know, it, it came out like I had really, really high phosphate. So what, I, you know, I had been using, uh, we had talked about this, you and I, I think, um, about Milwaukee. Milwaukee test kits, and I'd been, like, doing Milwaukee test kits, and I'd been testing at zero and zero and zero. I was like, crap, man, I got no phosphates. I got to start dosing a whole boatload of phosphates. <laughs> so I went from, like, dosing four mLs a day in the system to, like, 20, you know, plus mLs of phosphate a day because I thought I had no phosphates.
1: Oh, no. And so
0: I think that's what caused that, <laughs> what, well, it was that coral in the a uh, Palmer's, um, not a Palmer's the uh, Paletta Pink Tip do like brown out like overnight. The only yeah. only two corals you know that that it happened to, and um, so you know then that's I that's interesting. Then I started to um, started to use uh, Chris's salt and and his traces, and man, let me and and an orange cap too, like baited big time due to that event. And dude, let me tell you, man, the colors are coming yeah, back. They're they're oh, they're yeah. so resilient, the uh, the acros, but just the. Um, they're responding well to the uh, the captive aquaculture stuff so it's um it's amazing like what what uh what would call you know I, listen i'm guessing that it was the high phosphate that caused the brown out
1: probably probably right like it, it, that is a big guess i mean it, it, we don't know exactly what it was but it, it, i'm pretty sure that was a big attributing factor to the corals um browning out but it was only those two corals or were they in more intense light than the rest of the corals? No, nah,
0: there was nothing I could really, you know, I couldn't really tell what was going on. There was no, like, no, it, it just made no sense. It was just like so random, which but, that's, you know, that's what like keeps you on your toes, right? Reefkeeping. Sometimes exactly. there's things that you can't explain.
1: You no, know, I mean, there's variables that we'll never think about. And, you know, that's what is so exciting about being able to do what I do for a living um, and love it, you know, because I, I don't feel like it work. I I love what I do, and I'm always finding out things that I didn't know. And reefing is endless with the amount of things you can um, um, learn about and as well as, you know, forget about. I mean, I'm going to say I probably have forgotten a lot more than what I know right now, Um, (laughs) (laughs) you know. But I'm sure it's somewhere in the back of this cranium, um, you know, and it'll come to light when somebody brings it up. It'll, it'll come back out to me. But if, if you're reefing and you're not learning something new every single day, then don't reef. Uh, that's blunt. That's, people don't like that kind of stuff sometimes, but that's the way I feel about it. We're dealing with living animals here, everybody. We're dealing with live animals that we have taken from the ocean to enjoy. We need to give them the best life they can get in our possession. And that's all I think about when I'm at my farm is, is how am I going to make sure what, what, what is it going on today that is different and is it going to affect my corals? And, you know, every little variable that we see is always goes back to me. What's this going to, how's this going to affect the corals? Okay. It's not after going through all the process of elimination of what it can possibly do. That's, that's always the biggest concerns of mine is just, you know, making sure these animals have the best life they can have. Cause if not, they should just be left in the ocean. And it's not just a commodity in my opinion. And there's a lot of people that think it isn't just a commodity item and it's a hobby. Yeah, it is. It's a hobby, but you should, you know, put your blood, sweat and tears into it, not just get animals because you think that you can afford them and buy them and they not live, figure out why they didn't live. You know, don't, um, don't just keep buying them. If you don't not keeping stuff alive, it's, it's important you know, for the industry. And as aquaculture is coming more and more available um, the corals are gonna be harder and harder and hardier because they're gonna be they're never gonna see the ocean. They're gonna be all growing in some of these systems. And again, it goes back to our ultimate goal is to replicate the ocean as the best we possibly can. Mm-hmm. And it's never gonna happen, but I'm gonna damn sure try Yeah,
0: yeah, you'll do your best, right? Greg Carroll, what's <laughs> up, man? Um reef, what's up, Greg. Reef addicts merch. Um <clears throat> Reef on, uh, do you or Chris have any random kryptonite coral which you just I've um, had a hard time keeping. I'll answer that question first, uh, or Chris. I just, for some reason, could not keep the Jason Fox Flame coral. I, I tried frag after frag, and uh, it it just kept crapping out on me. But I finally, I think I finally got it right with the last uh, frag I got uh, maybe a year, a year and a half ago, and it's finally uh, growing out for me. But uh, any uh, any kind of uh, corals, Chris, that uh, just seem to be a bit of a bugaboo for you in terms of growing out? any. General types of coral, or I mean, you know, you've got every freaking type of coral, uh, you know, in your system. <laughs> I've seen it, you know, so I'm so I'm sure, you know, maybe there's something specific that you desire that you've um, had a hard time uh, keeping. Oh, I don't
1: know. I think um, my ultimate kryptonite is has, has to be Acropora noi. It is um, only known to be found in Bali, and I think it's been found in Lombok, which is just across the, the uh, Lombok Strait from Bali. That has been my kryptonite. Um, I'm still devastated about this piece of coral right now because I thought we had it figured out. And um, I've been battling the same piece of Acroporus or Hirsanoi for probably seven or eight years. When I got it from Vincent, he's like, I said, I need some, some toxic green. It's my holy grail. It's my acro. It's the one that I need to have. I want to be able to, to grow that coral. And it's been actually a big nightmare for me because that's the one coral that I have not been able to figure out to keep healthy long-term. Um, I think uh, I have a bunch of videos of the piece that I got from Vincent that I ended up saving before I lost it all. That was only a fragment this big. And that was, I bet you uh, that was four years ago. And I grew that thing out onto a, to a two and a half inch tile. And then I glued that tile between two f- or four four inch tiles. And I said, we're gonna see what happens. And I left it in the same area, kind of lower light, great water flow, and it completely encrusted over those four four inch tiles. So it was a mm. big colony, but it never shot a single freaking branch up.
0: So it was just te- puddling. tell people what you tell me to do when I've got an encrusting coral that doesn't want to shoot branches of. What do you what do you recommend doing? Stab it. <laughs> I haven't tried I haven't tried that yet, but I'm about I'm about to do it for a couple of um I got I got this um Sunset Millie that just doesn't want to branch out at all.
1: Well here, here's here's what you have to take into consideration with the reasons why a coral naturally wants to puddle and not send out any branches. A lot of the corals that do just straight up puddle need they come from high flow areas and naturally they want to build as big of a Mm. base attachment to that rock as they possibly can so that way when the heavy currents are coming through depending on the time of the year that they have a foothold and they're not going to be broken off that reef and just tumble to the bottom. So I understand that and notice that most of your thicker branching type acros like, uh, Acropora Abraclanitis, um, Acropora Robusta, um, a handful of others, like the Talgyensis that I have that I got from Vincent that I collected in Bali. Um, and there's a handful of other ones, uh, that like to puddle a lot. And, you know, some of the ones that you wouldn't think would just need to puddle like crazy do like yours is doing you know, Millie's. I wouldn't think need to puddle as much because, You see little colonies of them everywhere, and they just continue to puddle as they grow into a bigger colony. Um, But if you have that problem where they're puddling and not branching, um, I came up with this idea because I was actually really mad at this coral because it was absolutely stunning. (laughs) (laughs) I kept seeing the beauty of this amazing red and purple and green and yellow acro. It was, um, what is it called? Uh, The acropora cherry blossom. Um, I got it from Nick over at Ultra Corals, and he put the name on it, so I kept the name on it. And it literally puddled for two years and didn't do anything else. And I got mad one day, and I'm like, "Oh Lord!" I stabbed it <laughs> with my screwdriver because I'm like, "You're not gonna ever make me. You're not gonna ever go into a colony for me. I'm never gonna be able to put you on the market. You're absolutely stunning." So now I'm gonna just stab you a little bit. <laughs> well, I don't know. I must have stabbed it probably twenty times. And oh, you must have been pretty. Little, you must
0: have been pretty angry, man. <clears throat>
1: It was a weird day for me. I I, I laugh about it now because um, I learned something new again. Um, I got worried that I I did too much damage to the coral. Um, And sure enough, within like a week's time, um, it put the coral into a complete um, uh, healing process. And the fact that every single area that I poked with the screwdriver um, had to heal it started just throwing branches left and right, and they were growing fast because we had already started the process of um, the previous discussion, and um, it just made it go nuts. And I actually, honestly, I don't, I'm not even sure which one it is back there because I've got a couple of colonies of it. Um, that's the only one that puddled like that and never grew out, but they all look very similar now because they've all grown into nice colonies and. I don't know which one it is, and I'm kind of mad at me. <laughs> I should have marked the bottom of the tile or something, saying this is stabbed coral.
0: <laughs> so hold on. Have you tried stabbing any other corals?
1: <clears throat> yeah, I've done a couple of them. Um, I had one that would mound. It would, you know, the frag was on the on the tile, and it puddled, and then it kind of just started growing up in a mound. It would not branch, and eventually, it got to the point where the 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 the, t- the tile. No, I'm not not, not ready yet. Um, the tile, um, the, the, the original frag, was only sticking out about you know, a half an inch, where it was probably about an inch and a half frag. And I'm like, you're going to be a pain in my butt too, aren't you? And um, so I just stabbed it four or five times with the screwdrivers to see what happened, and sure enough, it started shooting branches, so I stabbed it some more. And um, that's actually one that we're probably going to release in the next two or three months. And it was a long time coming. It's two years. Usually it takes about a year and a half to two years for me to grow from a single frag to a colony where I'm comfortable with being able to make it or butcher the colony to the point of being just a nub left yeah. and it's healthy enough to regrow and be able to launch, you know, 50 to 100 fragments or 60 to 100 fragments of that acro as the first time release. Um, so we got to figure out ways to make them grow faster. We figured that out. Now we just got to figure out a way to keep them from just puddling only. And we kind of figured that out too. Stab it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I wonder if you stab like some uh, crusting montes, whether well, they'll start throwing some branches.
1: I tried it. You did? It doesn't do, no, it doesn't do anything. Now, like a um, a cap, if the cap is growing correctly, and you, if it, say, say you have it kind of like I, I keep most of my monte, some of my montes on a on a kind of a vertical um, starboard. Yeah. Because I don't have enough space, and I'm my addiction, I just go shit onto my walls. So <laughs> <laughs> we had these Monty caps that were kind of just growing downward and I'm like what is going on with these why aren't they just tabling out they should because of the way you know gravity you'd think they'd know where they were and how to grow well I ended up um sticking them in a couple of spots and the next thing you know where they were where they were stuck these little perfect little paddle shaped um cap pieces oh, cool. out. it was really cool so um, I think that that's something I only recommend anybody to do on like SPS corals. I don't think you should do A cans or uh or micros or any of the corals like that. I don't think that would be a very good idea. They'd probably end up um the polyp that you stabbed would probably be
0: <laughs> Well, I think I'm gonna uh sharpen up the old screwdriver and uh try it on on that uh Sunset Millie. Um uh, I I should have tried it. I had this uh before I I, I rebooted my hundred and eighty seven gallon tank, I had this Ora red planet that pretty much encrusted about a foot across the rock. You know and was just not really shooting up any branches whatsoever so it was uh it was definitely frustrating I, I, when i had that coral like many many years ago it just grew into like this beautiful table and didn't really encrust too much and so it's weird like how corals kind of like change their behavior over time you know and, and maybe that's just because they're um adapting to captivity i guess i don't know
1: yeah it's it's hard to say i mean or is it the fact that you possibly got a different strain of red planet that somebody called red planet and that's the reason why it did that mm-hmm. i don't know um every aquarium is different and corals grow differently in every single system keith i have to run real quick for one second i hate to do this in the middle of a live stream but i gotta run out real quick
0: yeah all right i'm gonna uh, i'm gonna show your um video of the of the uh, farm under halides so um hopefully chris will be back um sooner rather than later but let's show this video of the uh, of the farm so this is kind of like giving a um, an overview of all the different uh, systems in the farm and uh, Chris will come back and maybe talk a little bit more about it but yeah I've been to um, ACI a couple of times and it was like I was like a kid in a candy store it's just it's it's gorgeous what what um, Chris and Amanda and their staff have created there so um, Yeah, I, um, I was in awe a couple of times I was there. So they've got, um, multiple systems, the acro systems and, uh, yeah, that's all under halides. Tank number two under the halides. I got to ask Chris where he got these clams from because um, I think there was a question earlier in the uh, the chat in terms of whether or not Chris keeps any fish in the uh, the system. So you kind of see, we're talking about your video there, uh, Chris, and one, one person asked a question of whether or not you keep any fish in your uh, system. So we're, we're, we're getting a look at all well, the yeah, uh, yeah. different tanks in, in, the, uh, in one of the uh, farm tanks.
1: Uh, Yeah, we, we keep a lot of fish. I mean, I, I believe in natural, um, fish food is in fish poop.
0: Yes. Um,
1: corals like fish poop, um, guarantee you that, um, that's definitely something. And again, you know, it, that is something I think is, um, important because when the fish digest it, what gets put, what is back into it that might not be given to it. If it was fed something similar that the fish ate. make sense. So is it, are, are the corals going to be able to receive something that the fish poop has that no other food can be given to them because it's been through a digestive tract? Um, so I think natural ways of doing everything that you, doing anything in a natural way um, is is always best, but you still got a target feed for sure. And that farm tank that you showed is um, looking so spectacular, especially since we ripped that thing apart a couple of weeks ago and um, harvested about 70 pounds of vermited snails and coralline algae out of it.
2: <laughs> Yikes.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was a lot. And my son was in there with a with a, um, with a rubber mallet after we let it dry overnight. He's in there with a rubber mallet pounding on it. And I'm like, no, be careful. <laughs> and then I realized, <laughs> I'm like, they make boats out of fiberglass. And I hope he can't put a hole in it. <laughs>
0: So Blue Reef is asking, Keith, can you ask Chris how I can get some corals from ACI? don't have any LFS near me, only place closed by me two years ago.
1: Oh, my goodness. Um, We don't sell directly to consumers. Um, There's some things that are popping up here in the future that might make it easy for people to purchase corals, not directly through us, but from an online vendor that would be having our availability on their website and real-time as in what we have in stock if you purchase it and it goes through the our our customer's website it actually takes it out of our inventory so that we can then ship it to the store or if the store um has to receive it and then ship it to the to the customer Uh, There's a lot of things we're trying to work on to be able to sell to consumers, but not directly. I, I, I have to protect my brick and mortar store.
2: Yeah.
0: I mean, I've, I've got, uh, i got a few pieces of your stuff that, that I'm selling online, but you know, I'll be honest, you know, my stuff is, it's going to be more expensive than if somebody could find it at at an LFS or going directly, uh, through you. I mean, I got a lot of overhead. I got shipping costs, you know, so there's a whole bunch of factors in play, but, uh, in fact, I'm going to show a whole bunch of, uh, video of your corals in my systems and, and, um, I'm looking forward to that part because man, there are some beautiful freaking corals that just grew in some nice little colonies from crags. <laughs> so um
1: I can't wait to see I can't wait to see some of my babies that grew out in your Yeah, day.
0: yeah. And I got I got a couple of um I got a couple of that I just got from you back in April that uh, you know, are just starting to kinda take hold. But we'll uh we'll kinda go through that stuff step by step. One thing I wanted to ask you, man, before we get into more of a um uh, dig a little bit deeper in terms of the corals is um your use of Kemi Clean, right? I mean, you um, you guys use Kemi Clean as kind of like a dip when you're bringing in corals, but you also yeah. um, you mentioned that uh, you use Kemi Clean on a uh, semi-regular basis for the systems overall, correct?
1: We do. Um, you know, whatever it is with Kemi Clean, and I still can't get it out of Jeff what the actual ingredients are <laughs> in it. Um, we, you know, this had this this all started probably three years ago when I had an employee that was reading a, th- a forum thread about chemi-clean dipping corals that are stressed. And he's like, do you mind if I give it a try on some of these corals that just came in that just look so bad. He's like, I-, I hate to see them die. And I respected that. And I was like, Hey, wh- I need to get ChemiClean." clean Okay. So I ordered a bunch of chemi-clean and, um, we started noticing positive results from it. And, um, you know, whatever is, is, is wrong with the corals when we start, you know, using the chemiClean on them, is it bacterial, is it fungal, is it viral? Is, I mean What is it? We don't know. Um, luckily, um, I'm gonna be able to try and figure that out here with some pathology on some of these corals that we just can't get to come back, even after clean dipping them on a regular, you know, three times a week for a month, they should have been, they should have came back better. But the regimen is for clean for us for a dipping. Um, it is okay. I know it by the gram. I don't know it by the scoop anymore. I forget that because I've got all the numbers in my head and written down. In uh, five gallons of water, we put 3.28 grams of ChemiClean into system water into a separate. It's a 15 gallon tank with a, with five gallons of water in it, and we put a um, we use an airstone. To, to agitate, though, actually no, I'm sorry. We used to use an air stone, and that seemed to help. And you know, with because of the fact that chemically clean depletes the oxygen level in your in your in in the water that it's in, it it depletes it tremendously. So you got to have some water movement, agitation. So the air stone was there to agitate the water. So I went a step farther because we we're using such a larger such a, a large amount compared to what say a hobbyist would use. They might only need to use a quart of water, and then I think it's one scoop. Um, of that comes with the chemi Clean. No, 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 no. Yeah, again, I can't remember. I think it's, it's two and a half scoops per quart of water is what you would want to use. Which I think one scoop treats ten gallons of water for a treatment for your system. Yeah. So it's very concentrated in the amount that you're using. Um, super concentrated, and your oxygen gets depleted very quickly as soon as it goes into the, into the water. So you want to agitate it with an airstone. Um, we use a um, uh, a Maxi Jet. Um, an old maxi jet that was laying around that had the old... uh, Gotta love the maxi jets, man. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It still worked, too. I was like, I wonder if this thing still works. (laughs) Plugged it in, fired right up, put that in um, that tank. Now, it's too strong for it, so we actually have it shooting back into a corner so that it's not just blowing the coils all around the tank, but it agitates the water. And I actually um, did have, you know, do a check on everything, and the oxygen level was not as low as it was when there was no agitation. So it definitely helps tremendously. And we leave it in there for 30 minutes and we do it three times a week. Um, You can use the Clean for one full day. And then after that, you got to throw it away and you got to make new because it basically becomes inert after 12 hours. No, after 24 hours from what I was told. But if you have a coral that's stressed, that's not opening like it it used to, and you've eliminated every possible scenario, it's not parasitic. um, There's no fish picking on it. Um, and you're just pulling your hair out because the coral is doing great. The chemi clean is very possible that it might help that coral out. Um, we've had corals come in in brown water, and employees looking at it going, "Oh, this is dead. The water was nasty, it stinks," and they want to go throw it in the dead pile. And I'm like, "Uh uh-uh. uh <laughs> That coral's still alive. There's still tissue on it. The mouth is gaping wide open. That doesn't mean it's dead. Go put it in the tank, and we'll put chemi clean in it tomorrow morning, and let's see if we can save this poor thing." Well, we've saved more than we've lost since we've been doing it. Um, and that's the truth. I mean, we, we blast them uses, we don't get very many permits for them. So, and they're not cheap anymore. So they always ship very rough. And the next day when I come in, if my Blastos that I just imported are not wide open and looking spectacular. If they're half open, I put them in the kemi Clean. If they're not open at all, they definitely go in the kemi Clean. I have a blaster right now that we've been trying to save for the last month since my last import, and it just has one, like, itty-bitty pie-shaped area. It goes from the outer edge all the way into the center, and it is, it's there. It's not going to go away. But we've dipped it in ChemiClean three times a week for a month. The rest of the polyp is wide open, and now when that coral opens up, you can't even see the, uh, the damaged area in there. And I would imagine within the next month or so that'll fill back in and that polyp will re 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 will look like a full polyp again, which, um, I have to say five years ago, the coral would have been dead. And everything we're doing is trying to save the corals that are stressed and, um, it works extremely well. So I think anybody that has a stressed coral needs to put it in chemically. I mean, you can go to an LFS and point out corals in their tanks and say, hey, how much would you sell that to me for? Because it doesn't look that mm-hmm. good. And you take it home and start chemically dipping it every day, you might get a gem. Um <laughs> you know, I mean, try to save corals. That's what we do, that's what we're here for.
0: Uh Acro bleaching out, is that uh salvageable?
1: What do you mean like okay, there's a difference between bleaching out and RTNing, forgetting. yeah, do, you know,
0: whatever. I mean if like you, you get a like a acro in and it's like a good percentage of it is R tanning I mean, I know that, you know, in the past, I've been able to save, you know, a piece of it by just fragging the crap out of it. And then uh, you pray to God that one out of the 10 frags survives. Yeah. And uh, sometimes it does. But um, have you tried that method in terms of uh, the chemi-clean with, uh, with acros?
1: We yeah, have. And it seems to help acros as well. I don't think it helps them as much because I think when acros come in stressed out, you know, really stressed out, like, uh, like some of the LPS corals, You know, I always say corals are forgiving and, and, you know, my old saying was corals are forgiving and fish are not. Mm. Well, I'm going to kind of revise that, you know, LPS are very forgiving and SPS are the ones that are not always forgiving to you because, you know, if they come in in dirty water and they still have tissue and they still have that acro smell to it. And if anybody doesn't know what that acro Mm. smell is, familiarize with it because (laughs) it's it's a beautiful smell. It is. I think everybody that yeah (laughs) should recognize that smell from a mile away. Um. If the coral doesn't smell like an Acropora, and, but it does, you know, if you know what I mean. Like I've gotten in Acros from the wild that have dirty water in the bag, and I smell it, and I still smell the Acro, that sweet Acro smell. But then I also smell something I don't like, and it's like death. Yeah. Um, when I get an Acro that's like that, but there's still plenty of tissue on it, and it's not completely um, sloughed off of it. Um, we'll put it in chemi clean the next day. We don't do it right away because we don't want to stress it out more because it's already been stressed to hell for 60 hours in a box. We put it in a system that's got good clean water with good parameters, and the next day is when we do the chemi clean dip on it. And I have saved some acros fully, um, but they've ended up bleaching at that point. Then, so the difference between say an STNRTN event is when you see a white coral and you don't see any polyps yep. on it that are clear that white coral is a dead Game coral. over. if you see a you <laughs> pretty much a bleached out coral will still have full tissue over the entire colony and polyp extension and everything but nozos and zooxanthellae which makes it white all you see you see through the clear skin and it goes right to the skeleton and that's why it's called bleaching um, and they can come back from that and how we combat that is with a with the um Aquaholics um, blend of zozinthale algae, And I think she's got now six six species of zozinthale in it. And I just got hooked up with a, a research company that's contacted me about their studies they're doing on the different species of zozinthale. And they've got 13 different species. So now I'm like, send, I said to my friend, Sam, I'm like, send me the species you have. I'll send it to them. And I'll see if I can get you all the species you don't have. I said, because, We use the um, zooxanthale on bleached corals all the time, and it it works. It really, truly works, um, but it takes a little bit of time. It probably cuts the amount of time it would take for you to let it go naturally back from just leaving it in the system. It probably cuts that in half to being back to fully colored up. But if the reason for that, I think it might be the fact that the correct species of zooxanthale probably aren't necessarily present in the zooxanthale blend, and... Maybe they're utilizing utilizing it, but not to the fullest extent that they should, and it's helping them along, but then they're get, picking up the rest of the other the species that they need from the zoosanthalia that expelled in the system with all the other corals that are there, because don't anybody tell you that corals don't expel zoosanthalia on a regular basis, because they do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when that zoosanthalia pisses off the coral, it's like, you're getting gone. kick you out, kick you <laughs> out. You know, there's too much of you in my system, I'm kicking you out. Um... That's why a brown coral turns brown. It's because the zozinthaly overpopulates the tissue. And then when the coral colors up over time, the coral expelled to balance the amount of zozinthaly to the tissue so that you can see the true color of the coral.
0: So, all right, what about clean dosing that to a healthy system? Do you do that at all as like a prophylactic you know, you got um, several systems in the facility there. Do do you uh, dose chemically on a regular basis just as a uh, protective uh, measure, just to make sure that uh, you don't have any pathogens that might uh, get into the system and cause trouble?
1: I do more so on the uh, wild systems than I do on the farm systems. The only time I do it on the farm systems is when, for whatever stupid reason, I see this little patch of cyano popping up. I'm going, well, everything's checking out good. Why is there cyano growing in my tank? You know, and if I can't get rid of that with the ways that we normally do, then I would go through and put some uh, Chemi Clean in one night, shut the skimmer down, put the Chemi Clean in. And it's funny because we actually see a big difference in the corals in the farm system after we do a Chemi Clean treatment, which I think I've only done it on the farm systems maybe since I've started the process on the wild systems, usually about every month is when we do it. It's just, it's, it, it really is expensive. It's like, um, 15 grams of the stuff in each of my systems. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah. you know, when I first thought, figured out what I needed to put in there, I'm like, that's a lot of daggone chemical. <laughs> Luckily I know Jeff that distributes it. And I call him up and say, I need a kilo. And he's like, Huh? <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 no. I need a kilo of kemi Clean. <laughs> and uh, of course, we always chuckle about that. Um, but he, um, you know, that's a great thing. And, and I, I, I get a kilo of it in and it lasts me for probably about a year with all the dipping and everything that we go through. Um, it lasts us for a long time. Um, but I think it's very important because Chemi Clean is not going to hurt your corals. Um, I've never seen it have any ill effect on corals in any way, shape or form the only thing it's going to have an no ill effect on is possible pathogens that, you know, it, that don't like it. You know, like we use it for red slime or cyanobacteria. So there's other bacteria that don't like it, I'm sure. And I think that's part of the reason why the baths that we've been doing on the corals with a 30-minute bath has been so good, because those bacterias are being put in check or eliminated. And it's allowing the coral to actually, you know, recover from the harm that the bacteria did and then start to grow and survive and thrive over time. Um, Our wild coral systems, we do it um, pretty much monthly because, I mean, we haven't been bringing in as much coral because it's been a little bit slower this summer than normal, which it is what it is at summertime. I actually take that as a good thing so I can actually work on my farms a little bit more. But, you know, the wild coral systems, you know, about once a month when we were getting regular weekly shipments, um, I do the chemi-clean and honestly – Corals that were stressed on arrival, that we've chemi cleaned, that look good, um, but don't still still don't look like they should, and corals that are still looking like they're recovering, but we didn't feel were necessary to go through a chemi clean bath because they weren't completely retracted. They end up perking up really really good, um, actually quite quickly after we do the uh, chemi clean treatment in it, and. I say, you know, if it works, keep doing it. If it doesn't, then you experiment it once. Don't do it again.
0: Are, are you concerned at all about using ChemiClean? Because I mean, it's an algae side, right? I mean, that's it's basically, Ooh. you know, it right?
1: Won't tell. He won't yeah, tell. Yeah, I, I think
0: I think there's it seems to be enough evidence out there that it's an algae side. But I mean, my understanding is that it's it's not only going to kill the bad bacteria, but it's also going to Kill some of the the good guy bacteria is is that ever a concern for you and have you ever seen any side effects in terms of you know you you knocked out the cyano but all of a sudden you've got a bloom of like dinos or something like that do you see something else like happening as a result of the chemi clean my, my one experience well I've, I've used chemi clean a couple of times and I had um, it seemed like there was like some ripple effects Something, you know, it, it solved the cyano, but then it kind of like kicked in, this, you know, I had some dynal outbreaks and stuff like that. So have, have you seen that or pretty much um, no?
1: No, I haven't. I mean, dynos, I, I, I think that I've actually, I didn't figure it out. I think Gene figured it out. Dinos. I think dynos are all about minor and trace elements. Uh, honestly, I think when you're deficient on a lot of your trace nutrients, that's when, you know, when, when the algae isn't doing its job And then you have to have cyano coming in or or, or dinoflagellates coming in. Again, this is a theory that I've, that I've come up with, but when, when I haven't seen dinos in my system in, oh gosh, I guess was it last summer when Gene came up with it. I had this dino outbreak in my system and I'm pulling my hair out, trying to get rid of it. And it was a pain in my butt. And Gene had the same thing happen in his display tank at his, at his house. And he had just got done running an ICP on his tank and saw that his iron was completely, you know, undetectable. Well, because he knew that was undetectable and the other things that were undetectable, he ended up adding them in the proper ratios into the system to get them back to natural seawater levels. And he went away for, he did it on Friday, went away on Saturday, came back Sunday. There was not a lick of dinos in the tank. He's like, and honestly, the room had a weird smell to it that I never smelled before. And he's like, the dinos were gone. He's like... So I didn't know what it was. He's like, and then I started, you know, just continuing doing what I was doing. He's like, and then my iron got the again and it came back. He's like, and then I dosed iron again to get the iron back up and molybdenum and a couple of other things. He's like, and it all went away again. He's like, so I learned that if I keep my iron levels at natural seawater levels or a little teeny bit above, it keeps dinos in check. Um, I don't know what other elements are involved with all that, but that's all part of the fun that I get to have over the next year or whatever it is to figure out just by trial and error, when things pop up, what is different now? And okay. My ICP results are telling me that I'm deficient in iron. Would you, why are you deficient in iron? Chris, you, you have a concoction. You weren't deficient forever. Oh, my corals are growing faster. Oh, my corals are uptaking it faster than what I'm putting it in. Okay. We got to put more into it. So that's, that's the whole fun that I'm having with the chemistry side of it on the, on, the, on the minor and traces because I think a lot of our problems are all self-inflicted because we aren't educated enough on what the reasoning being why all these minor and trace elements aren't being dosed, you know, or should be dosed. Um, the ocean has it. I think our tanks should have it, bottom line. And, you know, you don't see cyanol outbreaks all over the um, pristine coral reefs of the uh, Great Barrier Reef. Uh, maybe on the inshore reach where there's pollution, but you don't see it in, you know, if our tanks are looking absolutely spectacular and we get a cyano outbreak, the corals all look, look amazing. Why? Is it, is it because of the nutrients or is it because there's a bacteria that needs the minor traces that would normally grow that would take care of the issue before cyano had a chance to take off? Because cyano is like the last resort. Or cyano, not cyano, the uh, dinoflagellates is like the last resort of, the system trying to correct the issue and it happens every time there's nutrient um, deficiencies or yeah nutrient deficiencies the algae is not doing its job um, and I attribute it a lot to the minor and trace elements in my opinion but again it's only theory but I've done so many times I've had the issues and Gene did it too and you know if the shoe fits it, the theory is pretty much there but needs a little bit more time to completely figure out.
0: You know, um, I've had this persistent cyano. It, it hasn't been Oh, nice cat there, Chris.
1: <laughs> she does. this about that time every night. She always wants to come in, uh, love and she wants a little, wants a little
0: attention. <laughs> so I've always had like this persistent cyano in my 187 gallon, you know, system tank the frag tanks plugged in. It's it, it's nothing like crazy. It's just like, I get a little cyano here and there in the sand bed and all that stuff. And so when I did the reboot on the 187 gallon tank, you know i had a lot of cyano um on the uh, calcified sand bed so i pulled that all out and um you know so it, it's it's sort of like coming back a little bit and um it's still kind of persistent in one of the frag tanks so um one thing i'm trying is actually the uh, remediate from um eight and uh yeah apparently that's something that could potentially uh, help with the uh, cyano but you also got me thinking about um Chemie clean you know, in, in terms of uh, potentially knocking it out with that. But you know, what happened with, with the uh, with the 187 gallon reboot is that I had a whole bunch of corals in that tank, and they encrusted yeah. big time on the rock. I mean, I had a lot of encrusted coral on the rock, and so when I pulled that rock out, I don't know if you know the whole story with me in terms of that reboot, but I, I created this cryptic sump, and I put, um my, you know, I, I took out like 125 pounds of Haitian live rock that was completely encrusted. With corals, and I chiseled all the encrusted coral off of that rock, including like that a red planet, which was like crazily, uh, you know, just totally encrusted on the rock. So um, yep. I, I took a lot of the colonies out. I took big chunks of those colonies, but you know, I so the net net was that there was less corals that went back into the system because a lot of a lot of coral had encrusted on the rock, so I removed the um, the encrusted uh, coral. Right. So my nutrients went up. You know, my nutrients were like you know nitrates or like around two and a half, and they kind of went up to 10. And so I think that, um, you know, phosphates went up a little bit as well. So that makes sense, right? Because corals are um, a big exporter of nutrients.
1: Yes, big time, more so than people even think. Right, yeah. Oh, my gosh, can't. <laughs> She won't leave me alone. So,
0: um, you know, I think that... Um, I'll uh I'm 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 definitely I just started with the uh, remediate to see how um that will uh will help. And 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 um I'm I'm kinda look looking at uh Chris's uh website right here. It's basically what he says is and I don't mean to like I don't I'm not meaning to do an a- advertisement here for uh captivate aquaculture, yeah. but um they say he's it's a dry blend which supplements the existing biological filtration established systems. So um yeah.
1: It's it's you know, we we um you um, know, again, you know, I talk to Gene all the time at Reef Labs, and um, you know, him and I are always bouncing ideas off of our head. And, and you know, if we can't come up with a, a definitive answer, you know, of course, you know, Chris is always in the loop, you know, trying to figure out things with the three of us. And uh, I tell you, the the um, the remediate and the inoculate, um, I, Gene started dosing the remediate on a daily basis. Um, and he was telling me about how his gunnies were just absolutely fully polyped out, completely insane. Okay. Yeah, please get Willow um, and grab <laughs> me another one of those, please. I need a beverage refill. Um, <laughs> um, so Gene started talking about how his polyp extension on his gunnies and his Acros and, and
2: Uh oh,
0: we lost Chris. you There. Ah, oh, we got you back.
1: Well, the cat pulled the pulled the. <laughs> <ethernet cable out. laughs> That'll do it. <laughs> it's okay. Um, so uh, Gene was talking about his pop extension on all of his corals because he put, you know, and he's like, "I didn't really realize what the remediate was doing until I ran out." And he had run out for over a week, and, and um, when he started doing when he when he when he is slowly over time that week he noticed the polyp extension wasn't as good and and the corals just didn't look as happy and um when he came back out and got more remediate from me and started putting it back in his system every day it all went back to the way it was the polyp extension was the same but it, you know he's boosting the bacteria population in his system and people say well why do you want to do that well why wouldn't you want to do that because the ocean's full of bacteria and we are not even close to what the ocean has when it comes to bacteria in the water column. And adding the remediate is boosting that bacteria population, just like the minor and trace elements are boosting the species diversity and the bacteria population in your system. So as a whole, the more bacteria species you have living in your system, the happier your corals are going to be. And it's, I mean, I, I can swear by it because we dose... I actually had to have Chris send me, I think it was a six kilogram bucket of this stuff because I was dosing so much remediate. And then after I realized I was going through that pretty quickly and it gets quite expensive, I'm like, okay, my money pit <laughs> that went away is starting to come back. So let's, 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 let's just take a step backwards here. Gene was adding way more than what I, you know, because I, I tried to match what he was adding to his size tank So because he saw all these positive things. So I cut that back to basically what he was adding to his 250-gallon system. I was adding to my 2,000-gallon system. And I honestly didn't notice any difference. Like the polyp extension and everything was just you know, still there. So adding small amounts of that bacteria, thanks, sweetheart, um, will definitely boost your bacteria population, which will in turn feed your corals. That's the key. It will feed your corals when you aren't target feeding them or putting in particulate matters microscopic fauna that is living in your system feeds your calls more than anybody even realizes it. And we just have it on a regimen. every. I don't dose it every day like I did because I found that that was not, you know, I, I, I did an experiment. I, I said, okay, let's try it every day and see what happens. Well, the calls look amazing. And the next week I said, all right, now let's do it Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and see if we notice any differences. Honestly, I didn't notice anything different. Everything still looked phenomenal. And, so I'm using a heck of a lot less. than This what is I the uh, the remediate. The yeah, remediate. So, but then I went a step farther and I said, what about if I put an inoculate in? Because inoculate just um, inoculate is a cycling bacteria. It is meant for the beginning yeah. of the of the nitrogen cycle of your system. Where remediate is more for you know, like your you know, more for phosphates and nitrates. Um, the inoculate has all those same bacteria in it as well, but it also has other bacteria in it that are good for, um, breaking down of yep. ammonia and nitrites. And, um, you know, I cycled the farm system with inoculate and remediate and it took five days for eight PPM ammonia to disappear in my system by putting that in there as Chris recommended me to do it. And it really does a good, it, it, it's amazing. It's, you know, I didn't have to buy this expensive gallon bottle that only lasts for a few months. It's just dry powder and I can sit it there and I can, you know, Oh, Six months, oh, you're gonna cycle another tank. I don't have to call up and buy a bottle of liquid that, you know, is needs to be refrigerated. I can just use my inoculator remediate. But we started putting the inoculate in on the days we didn't put the remediate in. And that's when I really started saying, Wow, bacteria is an amazing little life form that this planet is is so important to this planet. And we use antibacterial soap and it kills our bays, it kills our rivers, it kills everything. It's just blows my mind that they don't talk about this when they're talking about being green because that is the most anti-green thing on the planet is antibacterial soaps going into our water systems and back out into the ocean um, I fear for the day that they realize it and it's too late for bays and some things like that but we won't go on up on, that, <laughs> on that tangent there we'll just, you know, bacteria is important bottom line it and dose remedi- inoculate and remediate in small amounts in your systems and teeth you will you will be pleasantly surprised at what you see. I promise. Yeah, you.
0: I still dose um, the the uh, Brightwell's Microbacter Seven and Clean on a weekly basis to both systems. So um, I'm dosing the uh, Remediate to that one system, and and uh, yeah, kind of excited to see what um, what happens in, in terms of that.
1: I can tell you that from the original Bacter Seven that I used to use on a regular basis to the evolution that has come out to now be. Uh, more advanced yet, which is remediate and inoculate. Um, And I think that um, from all the different experiences that Chris has had over the years with um, blending things and and learning about the microfauna living in our reef systems, um, figuring out ways to improve everything that he's worked on in the past to make it even better for the future. And, um, as a matter of fact, I just caught him up today and said, you need to take some selenium out of the, uh, MT and some molybdenum. And he's like, dude, I reformulated that damn near eight <laughs> times already. He's like, and I've got all the formulas from when you told me to reduce different things. He's like, you really want me to reduce selenium and molybdenum again? And I'm like, just a little bit. I'm like, everything else is in there is working out and lining up perfectly except for those two. But then, you know, I, I go back to, Forgetting that I that I remembered my selenium and molybdenum levels came down when my magnesium, iron, and cobalt levels were not um not not detectable. When they were not detectable was when my selenium and molybdenum were high. I didn't change the dosage of MT, which has them in it. All I did was boost up my iron, manganese, and cobalt, and one of the tests came out where they were green and they were dead on the money. And I'm like. So I said, yeah, I think you need to reduce it for the fact that most people don't have the, the um, uh, ability to have an, a weekly ICP test like I do. And um, I think it's probably for the better for your product line. And it's going to fine tune it a little bit more for the average hobbyist and not somebody advanced like uh, like myself.
0: So, all right. I want to uh, I want to get to the uh, to the videos of the corals that I have in my systems that uh, your your babies that have grown up that that's going to be a lot of fun to show and um, I'll, my I'll, baby. but I, there's a there's a Love few it. comments in here. first of all I want to thank uh, Zubin I'm not even going to attempt the last part of that name there because I'm going to completely butcher it but uh, many thanks uh, maybe Z for the uh, for the super chat there really uh, really appreciate it and so we got Mark from uh, Mellows oh. Reef in there and he's asking. Uh,
2: well done, are we Mark. talking
0: about Cockwasser? We are not talking about Cockwasser, Mark. Nope. And uh, there's another topic we're not talking about. We're not even <laughs> mentioning the um, the uh, the name of that topic. But
1: um, I- I'm going to bet you that Jake really didn't think I could not say there's two letters. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, what else we? Oh, your wife is saying is asking me, do I feed any live blends? I I uh, I do not. I don't have a lot don't have a phyto connection like you do, you know? That's
1: It is fortunate that we do and but a phyto connection, you know, honestly. Should I grow my he, own? Um, I mean I'm I mean
0: gonna, that's a pain in the ass, isn't it? Yes. No? no. I think Mark does yeah, that, right?
1: Yeah, I think Mark does. Um if you got if you ordered say um you know what, I'll tell you what, um I can have uh Samantha bring me over her blend of phyto which I don't remember as, as a multiple, actually, no, you won't be able to do it because you end up with one species growing in there. She blends, she has, I think, four separate phytosystems with four different species in them. And then when she puts her phyto available or together, it's all four of them in one, in one bag. So you get an even mix of those four species of phytoplankton. And from what I remember her telling me that if you put them all in one and try to farm them all, you end up with one because one becomes dominant and all the rest of them go away and they die off. So, um, doing phyto in you know, as a as a um, for you, you could do it, but you don't end up with one species of it, and it's actually not that hard. I mean, all you really need is um, um, air stone in the bottom of a container and um, something to circulate the water and light. And make sure you're adding nutrients to the system to feed it, and you should be good to go. As a matter of fact, one of the things I think Samantha – no, I knew she did. Samantha started putting minor and trace elements in after, she, after I told her about all the uh, things we learned about different types of algae and what is important for them. And she's like, maybe I should start putting that in on my fight. And she's like, makes it grow even faster so um so uh yeah. man we're
0: um we're talking a lot about captivated aquaculture, and, and folks are naturally wondering where they can uh, get these products from and, and basically they should be uh reaching out to um aci right and you guys can point them in the right direction you um you sell it to um you guys are wholesalers but you sell it to certain retailers so i think if they uh, reach out to you guys you can point them in the right direction chris
1: yeah i mean we have um there, there, there's, there's a handful of places that sell it online. Um, I can tell you that um saltwater is gonna have it very soon. Um out in the West Coast area, I think it's Arizona, Reef H two O just um they haven't gotten their order yet, but they just pulled the trigger. And um Champion Lighting has it, and so does um we also can get it at Reefmasters.com. Um he sells it on his website. And then Samantha at um Aquaholic Aquaculture also can get you anything that is in the Reef Flu print line. Um, she doesn't stock it, but she's only five minutes away. So she, uh, if she needs to get stuff from us to ship out, she brings all of her UPS ship outs for the day to us. And we have UPS come every single day as well. So it works out really well for her to be able to, um, you know, offer the products up to sell them because she uses them herself. I mean,
0: I have no skin in the game. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't sell the captivate, um, products and all that sort of thing. I'm, I'm starting to use it all. And, and, um, you know, I have to say that, um, i'm 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 certainly very happy with what my, my uh my experiences you know i need more time i mean i've just started uh you know it's been only a co- like a couple of months i've been using the cock for a while and let me tell you dude that cock has got some very high potency much much uh, higher potency than other <laughs> stuff i've been using so that that was uh, just amazing but you know so far so good in terms of all the captivate uh, stuff the salt the traces um you know I'll, I'll see what happens with the uh with the remediate but um i mean listen just you know i had chris wood on on the live stream and the guy knows his stuff right he knows his he stuff does. and i've said this before but just kind of seeing your systems firsthand and uh you know the fact that you guys are uh using those products i think just uh says a lot and it's your livelihood right Your uh you it's 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 your business so you need to like Essentially, use products that you feel will be the best for your animals, and I think that's
1: you're exactly right. Yeah. I mean, my whole thing is is you know, with all of the things you hear, and nobody has answers for when they have an issue in their system. I want answers because you know, blowing it off isn't good enough for me. Um, you know, I have issues on occasions that I can't figure out, but I do everything in my power to try to understand why something happened and how to correct it so it doesn't happen again. And a lot of it was raw materials being used in products I was putting in my systems. And that's the saddest thing about the whole process because when we can no longer get corals from the wild, what we have in our systems, in all the land on on this planet, in ho- from hobbyists to public aquariums to whatever, well, all that coral. If we can no longer collect it, or we can't take it, or like the um, like some people say is going to happen, you know, in fifty years, in ten years, we're going to have no- not going to have coral reefs left. I don't necessarily believe that, but um, you, you know what I'm getting at here. If we can't get coral from the wild anymore, we need to make sure that the animals that we have in our possession, that we are enjoying and keeping he- alive and healthy, they need to have. Only the best given to them because if there's something minute in something that can build and, build and build and build and build and say it takes two years for it to build up in your system, but you've been using the same product lines, you've been using the same same stuff and it builds up in your system and all of a sudden you start having problems and you can't get those calls back into your life again, yeah. or back into your systems again. That's a big problem for me because my livelihood, and I don't ever want to stop farming corals. I honestly think that I'll be farming corals the day I die. I'll be freaking cutting a frag and <laughs> kill over dead, you know.
0: That's the way you want That's to go. Huh?
1: That happens to be. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, um, <laughs> um, but bottom line, you know, the, the animals that the, they can be very sensitive to c- contaminants and what we put in our tanks is going to determine how long we're able to be successful with keeping these animals in, in captivity. It's not a, a, an orangutan. It's not a, um, you know, a polar bear. It's not something that doesn't have, you know, of course, they have a lot of things that they need to be taken care of as well, but we're dealing with a much more complex ecosystem when you're talking about the ocean than we are with land-based animals. And we don't even know anything about them. You know, I mean, you think about it. We know about 2% of the world's oceans. We know, we've discovered 2% of the world's ocean. That's just not good enough for me, for people to say that all the things that I've been working on aren't important because how do you know? Where's the studies? Nobody's got any data on any of that. Let's just chase our alkalinity and chase our magnesium and chase our calcium. That's all we need to do. No, that's not good enough. There's more to it than that. And for our systems and our corals to thrive long-term in captivity, I'm not talking about five years or 10 years. I'm talking about decades, you know, a century. Can you have a coral that you grew that I started growing when I was, you know, 35 and a hundred years mm. from then, you know, is that coral strain still alive in captivity? Why is it still alive in captivity? Is it because of the breakthroughs that we've come found, to find with all of these things that we've been working on? I don't know. Um, and maybe somebody can keep it alive, just keeping their calcium alkaline and magnesium going. But after what I've seen, I don't know very many people that haven't had a tank crash in their career. And it's probably because of a contaminant in a sodium-based buffer they're using. I mean, that's the every time somebody tells me they have a tank crash or something issue happening in their tank, and they tell me what they're using in their aquarium, I know exactly what the problem is almost immediately because of the brand that they're using, because I've already figured out where the contaminants are coming from. And it's disheartening. And these companies are making millions off of this shit, and animals are dying from it. So...
0: Yeah, I uh, I couldn't agree more, man. I think um, you get what you pay for is uh, pretty much what it's all about. But um, all right, dude, let's hopefully oh, oh, yeah, hopefully you got some more time, dude, because this is this is a lot of fun. Uh, I want to. Oh, I got. Um, I, got I, I I was a stupid question. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: all right yeah i forgot who i was talking to for a Shut second up. uh all right
0: so let's let's go through some of the video of the corals that i uh i picked up from you guys and the first one are you still watching on youtube I am. Right, so this first one is i just released like a top 10 sps my favorite um sps corals and this one made the list this is the uh the aci pink spatulata and dude this thing is like insane. I mean, it's go ahead, it. give us the backstory, man.
1: I need it, I need it back. Really, you don't
0: have it? Oh, no,
1: crap. um, I'm really, really upset that I don't have that coral anymore. Um, that was one of the ones that happened in Paris during the um, hydrometer that broke, and then my new hydrometer was so off, and I had issues last summer. With um, a handful of my prize pieces, and that was one of them. So I'd love to have a just a little frag. I will, little, uh, I will
0: save you um, a frag, dude, because that is like, <laughs> I I don't know how to describe it, but um, I just I get a nice happy, you know, um, you know, kind of glowing feeling in my body when I look at that. I mean, it's got like, it's got green polyps, it's got pink polyps, it's got like the super pink correlates. I mean, that thing is like kick ass. I'm-
1: it's unreal. And, you know, it was actually a quite, quite a fast grower for me as well. Um, and it looks like you've only had it for about a year and you've got a pretty decent little colony out of it, which is yeah, awesome. Yeah,
0: it, um, you know, it, it, it kind of struggled at the beginning and, and it was also like, you know, it was in my, uh, I, that, that's in my peninsula tank. So that's under LEDs, you know, so that's under the GHL, uh, okay. you know, uh, Mitras. So it, um it struggled at first and it, like a new tank, right. And any new tank, it's uh it's not going to be all uh you know um you know it's not going to be all, all all uh you know positive stuff in terms of um you know what you're going to get in terms of putting corals in that tank right it's going to be a bit of it, it takes a little time for a new tank to kind of get going I don't think a, you know it probably takes like at least a year for a new tank to kind of hit its stride in terms of like SPS I think
1: I think you're right I mean I think you can put SPS in a tank you know five days after, you know, the day it cycles. Right, you can, sure, absolutely. And actually you could put it in before it cycles because, again, corals are even more forgiving and they don't put off enough, but it would just take forever to do a cycle in a system if you cycled it with corals in it. But, you know, that coral, I remember that coral, was a wild import from Australia. And I only, get, I only really get spas from, uh, from Australia. They come from the outer reefs of, uh, of, of the Great Barrier Reef. At least the best ones that I've seen come from the outer reefs. I've seen some pretty nice ones from the inshore reefs too, but um, they, just, they just don't pop like the ones from the outer out, out um, reefs that are you know, a few hundred kilometers or a few hundred miles off the coast. Um, that coral, I received it, it was uh, five years ago. And I had, um, my my Australian supplier told me that I was going to get a very special spatulata and I needed to make sure that I kept it because he only got a small colony of it. And he, every time he gets a special piece and it's only a small piece, or even if it is a, is a big monster piece that he gets, he breaks it down, he spreads that love <laughs> out to everybody, you know? And, and, and this colony was actually quite small that he, when he got it. And he sent me just like four branches that were, you know, Kind of shaped like, yeah, like this, and it was just one little area. And I was like, okay, so we cut all the tips off of it, and you know, I farm corals, but I also have to make sure that I'm not taking the whole entire piece every single yeah. time because I won't ever have any money to continue to buy corals and to continue to pay <laughs> my bills. So we ended up turning the tips of that coral in the chop shop, and then. Cut it down so it was only like a piece about this big, and it kind of branched out like this. Well, it's kind of more like this with a little bit of branch branching on this way, and I just stuck it straight up, and it puddled really good. Nothing happened up top, and it all of a sudden just started to shoot branches up from the base. And it took about two years till we launched it, and then it only took me three months to kill it after I had my hydrometer break and my dumbass got complacent. And, again, I can beat myself up all day long about it, but that's one lesson I learned that I'll never do again is you know, be complacent about what your, what your equipment yeah. is. And when you buy a new piece, you better check that thing because they're not all made the same. <laughs> um, I wish I had that call back. You'll
0: get it back, yeah, for sure. Yeah, in fact, I just fragged it to put it in my other system, so I got to back up and to make sure that uh, awesome. I lose it. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, um, that, that is like one of my... Um, top favorites I, I i don't think i've had a lot of spatulatas you know over the years i really don't think i've had a lot of those uh types of corals so i, I really love the uh the look of it it's it's interesting it's kind of like uh i thought it was a millie when i got it from you but uh you um you corrected me on that one so well,
1: one of the ways you'll be able to tell it's not a millie is it's it's hard in the beginning of growth um but as they get bigger, it really becomes pronounced. Yeah. I mean, you'll have space between the branches and, um, you know, you'll have a branch that comes out and you'll have one branch sticking up right here and then it'll grow out. And then one branch will stick up here. So they're spaced apart really good. And again, that coral also, the way it grows also helps to funnel the food down towards the center, even though there's not as much particulates in the, in the water column where they, where they thrive, which is out on the outer reef. It's crystal clear and pristine. But, um, That coral is not easy for most anybody because when you see them in the wild, they're normally massive tabling corals, but they're thick. You know, like you think of like a tabling Acropora, you think of Acropora hyacinthus, you know, that when you collect a colony that's, you know, a foot and a half in diameter, it's only like this thick, the table, where a spath grows flat. But it grow it's like spread out branches and they actually get really, really cool looking um when they grow out. And I can see everybody always calls them millies when they're frags and, and I can tell because they actually have a more it's not as not sort of a blunt tip. It actually from the base of the of the branch, it can actually go to more of a pointed tip. So you kind of see a tapering effect going on the um on the spatulatas, especially on the, it's easier to see that on a larger, on a full-size colony than it is to see on fragments, but I can see it on that coral right there. I can tell immediately as soon as you put it up there, it was definitely a spatulata. And, and it
0: seems like the coralites are more, you know, more prominent. You can see the coralites and, and the fact that they're like, larger. yeah, they're bigger. And the, the fact that that's pink just really, to me is like grabs the attention, you know, that's, um, that's something that's really, uh, pretty cool.
1: Very similar to Acropora millipora, Acropora prostrata um and i don't even know if prostrata is considered a name of an acro anymore i haven't even looked that up in a while but i used to love getting acropora yeah. prostratas in because they look yeah. like, like a millipora but they don't grow in that yeah. tabling form they grow in like a bush very cool coral i used to have a really cool blue one with uh, red polyps back that i got from fiji oh my gosh that was the beginning of aci i was like 15 years wow. ago 14 years ago uh, where that thing is, if anybody still has a red Prostrata with red polyps, I want it back. <laughs> all right,
0: your wife wants me to show the uh, the uh, pink spatulata again. I mean, that is just such a cool, cool. coral. Such a, it's uh, it is it's awesome. Um, all right, the next one I'm gonna uh, oh, it's freaking green polyps mixed in with the the pink polyps. It's a pretty unique combination, I think.
1: I love it. So, all right i'm only on an iphone uh, all right you can't see the details guys. so the
0: next <laughs> the no, next I... one i got that also made my top 10 list uh, two aci corals chris made my top 10 all-time sps favorite list is this um awesome. aci cherry pie millie and um it. i'm i'm like a real sucker for millies i just love millipora, <laughs> and um i love like red and pink millies and and this thing is like bubble gum pink so it, it kinda reminds me of the uh I don't know if it's like the snipers bubblegum um is that what it is? The sniper's bubblegum Millie. But um I don't
1: know. That thing grew a lot. My goodness, it yeah, was insane. I it's know. Again, that's that's again plug-in. under the
0: LEDs. <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm I'm thinking like my halite light system, I might just convert that over to LEDs, but probably not. I you know.
1: I'm a hybrid guy now. I mean, I still love my metal halides. I only burn them for three hours a day, and I got LEDs and T5s and everything mixed in. And I'm not having any issues now that I've got the halides back up over that system. So I'm not fixing what's what, not broken.
0: Uh any backstory on that coral?
1: No, not much. Other than it was Americulture. I got him from Vincent two years ago. So Vincent, you got, ago, from,
0: uh, Vincent you got my, from huh?
1: Yeah, yeah, I got that one from Vincent. um it's um, just a mariculture piece that he's been farming over there in Bali for probably 20 years. Um, and it was, it was just so bright and so beautiful when it came in and that was, okay. I had a lot of acros on the farm because I was hoarding them from, you know, Aussie and I had plenty that I had from, you know, previous Indo imports, but when it was gone for two years, yeah. So I had a little issues. The red millies and the pink millies and so a lot of that stuff, you know, had issues with them and didn't necessarily keep them all, which is, you know, frustrating for me every time I lose a coral yeah. that I love. So I put that back on the farm two years ago. It's 2020, and I think you got it last year. So I only had that thing for over just over a year and a half before I was able to sell, you know, frags of it. Um, it's just a super common mariculture that we bring in, but I put the cherry pie millie on it because actually i put cherry pie on it because you liked it and you wanted it and i didn't have a name on it and i'm like S- yeah S- right
0: you what came up with the name on the spot
1: so, so i just said <laughs> you pie. like cherry pie i'm going to call it
0: <laughs> cherry pie millie <laughs> um yeah we, your wife's like we hit the two hour mark and the spam bots have uh found us there but i uh, thank uh paul the moderator for uh putting the kibosh in the spam bots
1: <laughs> <laughs> no i i still have that one um uh, I actually it, it's it's it needs to be fragged big time um I've neglected fragging acros because I really just want to get this new acro tank um finished and building the array like top shelf has to hold all the colonies I've been having a hard time finding all the pvc parts that I oh need. you're doing an
0: array too um
1: yeah because um that tank's going to be blasted with flow um Jake, Jake told me about the Voyager HP uh, – yeah, the Voyager HP-10 pumps. And I'm like, you know, I, I love c They're freaking awesome pumps. You know, I use a lot of – all my internal pumps that are just pumps are all um, um, c And uh, I think I lost you. Can you
0: say no, that I, you got me right. I, I could see it. Yeah. This
1: one here oh. died because I can't hear anything out of it now um but anyhow the uh um i'm putting in eight voyager eight or voyager 10s which are 4000 gallons apiece i was going to put in all the uh gyries like i had you know like i have in my other systems and after finding these things i was just like what the <laughs> heck are they i mean the water movement is absolutely unreal and if i put eight in and put them on timers one for shooting one direction and four shooting the other the array is going to have to be there because there's no rack gonna stay down on a, just laying on a PVC pipe. It's gonna blow around. So definitely gotta do the array, and I can't wait to do that because I think I can put like over 250 colonies in that tank, and it'll look completely badass. If I if I had
0: a uh, tall enough, I mean I've got two frag, i got three frag tanks, and um, you know my 75 gallon frag tank it's I think um, 12 inches tall. I would I would love to put an array in that tank, but it's just not tall enough. I don't think to do uh, do the array.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is two feet deep, which is nice. Um, It'll work out really well. And it'll also make it a little bit easier for the guys to get corals because uh, a lot of the acros will be closer to the top. And when it's six foot wide, only I can reach the corals in the middle and everybody else is too short to reach (laughs) those corals. So it'll be nice to be able to do it without falling in. Um, That's something we're trying to combat right now in the euphelia tank is we want to lower the middle rack and everybody's too short to grab them, so now we have to come up with some sort of concoction to actually go in and pick the racks up so instead of bothering me every time, so has have got to grab a rack out of the... Out the <laughs> like, hey, we need the tall
0: guy to help out. Um, <laughs> all right, the next one I got here is the, uh, the ACI dragon fruit. This is such a cool, encrusting uh, oh, Montepora, cool. man, and it grows fast for me. I mean, it just, like, really puddles fast, but it's just, like, got this really deep blood-red coloration, on the skin and it's got this like neon green polyps it's really a gorgeous i've never really seen a monty like that
1: it's absolutely stunning and i didn't put the name on it i used the name from the person that i got it from and you know i try to do that as much as possible to keep that lineage you know going and you know the lineage is important to me and that coral right there is is a dynamite piece of coral and you got that when did you, you got is that one of the ones you No, just got I got
0: that um I but okay. that that's uh so that's like kinda like my main um little colony on the frag I got like a year ago. But I've got like seven or eight frags that are just like encrusting on the frag rack itself. So like, you know, yeah. it's just like it goes
1: quick. It does, you know I mean it's um it's a weed. Once it really yeah. settles into your system it can grow extremely fast. I mean I I I don't know any Monty except for like Monopora cubensis and Monopora paloanensis like your Kung Pals and your, well, I, I, you know me, I don't know the names. There's so many names out there for these corals, but all those ones that are, you know, that are in, this, in the same uh, growth type patterns, like uh, like I said, the paloanensis and the, and the sableensis or, C- or cubensis, sableensis, um, they're extremely slow growing compared to all the other Monty's. But when you learn where they actually live, you understand why they live in deep water, super deep water, and don't get a whole lot of light. So a lot of the deeper water corals do grow slower. Where I'm pretty sure the dragon fruit's probably one that was collected on the top of a reef somewhere, getting cooked by 4,000 par by the sun. You know, <laughs> <laughs> love that coral too. I'm glad. Yeah, it no, it's for you. Uh, it's
0: it's it's awesome. It really is a um, a beautiful monty in terms of a crossing monty. Very um, cool. All right. What do I got next? This is one, uh, the ACI, uh, sunbeam that, uh, you sent me a nice chunky frag of, oh, actually, uh, um, we, uh, this was, uh, this past April, I picked this, uh, up, you guys sent this to me and
1: how big is it now? Uh, uh, yeah, I don't
0: know. <laughs> I didn't take it before type of picture, but, um, it's, it's got the yellow tips, which is, uh, it, it's interesting. You know, it's, it's, um, it's, it's kind of similar to your yellow it's tips, such- which I got another, I got a video of that as well.
1: The sunbeam and the yellow tips are both Acropora asteris. Yep. Um, they're two different genotypes, and a lot of times when I send out the sunbeam, because I try not to have the sunbeam released at the same time as the yellow tips, because people, you know, always tell me that I've got, you know, when I it's difficult for my my you know daniel and i both some i even have a hard time sometimes um with some of the corals that we have out on the market but we try not to have them both on the market at the same time the the yellow tips is darker in color like the purple is darker and the the green is darker um and then the yellow is more pronounced in the yellow tips like the yellow tips on we, on our yellow tips gets to be you know a good quarter or half inch where on the sunbeam it's a lot lighter in color in the body and the more of a bluish um, purple in the tip instead of more of a purple tip like the, like the yellow tip is. And then you only get just the very tip of the coral light that turns yellow on the sunbeams. So that's the difference. It's just a different genotype, and it is a, they, they are completely different. I'm showing, the, uh, the um, y- I'm
0: showing your uh, yellow tip now as well, so um, kind of get a uh... – it's it's kind of like it's got a, I think a richer coloration in terms of the body, the green and the uh, the the, uh, the purplish, but more pronounced yellow tips. Yep. And you sent me a huge piece yeah. of that, and um, what happened? I um I had it in the I had it in the my display tank, and um, it busted off another chunk. So I've got one chunk in the uh, display tank and one chunk in the uh, in the frag tank, but it's um. It's happy in both places. Yeah, it really grows fast. They're
1: they're weeds. Both those, the the Sunbeam and the Yellow Tips are, I actually am sending out chunky frags right now that we've been sitting on that are about this tall. They look like a full-blown colony. And people are like calling me up going, dude, you just sold me that for that. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, because when I fragged it, it was literally just a stick this big on a three quarter inch plug. And now it's, you know, this big around, you can't find the plug anywhere. And there's branches growing off of it. It's pretty crazy, but, um, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful coral and it's an, um, it's a coral. You'll see it from across the room when it grows out. Um, and I remember when Jake got his first piece of sunbeam Ostera, we had an, he's probably going to sit there and he's rolling his eyes at me right now. He's calling it an echinata, And I'm like, Nope. Not an Econata. Well, I can understand where he was coming from with it, you know, because I was looking at it and going, well, maybe it is an Econata. And then I kept looking at it closer. And I'm like, no, 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 no. It's an Austera. I know it's an Austera. And um, it took a while until Jake's frag that he got for me to grow out before he was like, dude, it's not an Econata. I'm like, I told you. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love having debates about species names on corals with Jake, because Jake is he, he's definitely more advanced than I am with the going down to the species level. But um, it's, it's fun to, uh, you know, when you know you know, you've got to stick to your guns. <laughs> Absolutely. That's good
0: advice, man.
1: And it's not too often that I, that I don't ask Jake for, you know, species. I mean, I can get down to genus level on almost anything, but getting down to species level, he's definitely um, more advanced in that side of it. But um, I love learning about the different species, and he's helping me tremendously with that. I have to give him that for sure. So um,
0: this is another encrusting mod to the, uh, the ACI Emerald Forest. This thing, this oh, thing is like toxic green, dude. Whoa. <laughs> toxic, toxic green.
1: It's, uh, it's, it's actually one coral that um, when I put it on the farm... I was like, do I need another Danae or do I need another, whatever Jake will tell you, Jake can tell you what it is. I, I forget the species name. I don't think it is Danae. Um It's very similar to that. Do I need another one that looks similar to the Superman Monty, to the Rainbow Monty, to the, you know, the Tropic Thunder, to, you know, all these ones that have the same, but they are different. They're just different genotypes. Maybe some of them are just different species as well. It grows for us like crazy. I mean, we've got tons of frags of that coral and, it's amazing how different it looks when the pulps are. Retracted, yeah, for it? sure.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it, it it grows like a weed for me, man. I mean, I, I I like I frag that thing. I've got like probably six or seven, uh, you know, little frags that were maybe three quarter inches. I think they've already encrusted the whole uh, frag plugs and and starting to like puddle it onto the uh, frag racks themselves. So
1: you fragged it, put it on a plug. Yeah. A month later, <laughs> it's a, I can't it's a, it's a it problem.
2: <laughs> That's a problem.
1: <laughs> Well, hey, you're you know you're you definitely doing similar things to what we're doing, so you get to see the benefits of um that 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 boosted yeah. you know what and uh, tell you <laughs> right. wow the growth is unreal. Yeah,
0: yeah. Let's no. not talk about that though, man. We I mean, like that oh, that's, that's taboo tonight. <laughs> um, here's another one of my favorites, the ACI Lightbright. Man, this thing is it it it's unreal. unreal. It's it's got. You know these like yellow tips that reminds me of the jason fox flame but it's got i think pinker you know um polyps and and yes. it's also got these um yellow lime coral lights which is a really cool combination um,
1: i remember when i launched that coral we we got it in and i'm pretty sure it's acapora D- Diversica, Diversica, um, horrible sp- pronunciations on that. But it's the same species as pink Cadillac. Oh. Ah. And if Looks you familiar. don't have yeah. a pink Cadillac right next to it, it's another one of those corals that I can see the difference immediately because pink Cadillac's more white with blue polyps and then the same basic color in the body. This, when I got it, again, this came from um, Vincent, This came from Vincent probably four or five years ago. And this was before the Indo band came into play. I got this coral from him and I ended up, um, actually this was one of the corals when the Indo coral band came into effect that I still had a mariculture piece. I was sitting in my uh, for sale section. I'm like, (laughs) 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 I don't know if I'll ever see you again. You're going to farm. And as a matter of fact, I did that with every single acro I had left that I had, you know, Maricultural wild from Indonesia. I put them all in the farm, and we just started seeing them being released um, a few months back, like two, 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 three months back. Is probably when we started seeing things being released from there because of ups and downs with the systems and playing around and learning. But yeah, that's a that's a that's some mariculture from Vincent. It's a beautiful piece of coral. I'm glad you enjoy it because it's um, one of the one of my favorites out of all of them, even though it's not like five colors in it and this and that, it's just a really cool and a beautiful colony when they grow out. And we've got colonies right now, three of them that are like yeah. big, big that need to be. I cut, remember but seeing I, those
0: when I was there last right. uh, April. I just banked <laughs> that call in my other system, so you know. It,
1: One second, I see yeah, yeah. Come here, come here. Hey, have a good night. I, will. I Hope you feel better, buddy. Yeah. All right. Are
0: uh, you are you good on yeah, time, man? I feel-
1: <laughs> oh, damn, no, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, I don't care. We, we could be, I, I got plenty we of could be approaching a of record. A <laughs> Actually, we are approaching are we? it. We got about, yeah, I think Jake and, me and Jake and you, we were, I think, um, we were three, no. uh, two hours. No, we were. No, we we, we didn't,
0: I Jake think we did maybe like two hours, started. 15, 220 or something, might, might have been the long.
1: So we're 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 two hours twelve now. So I think if you got more core to show off, then I think we're definitely going to go way past your 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 record. <laughs> uh, no, I'm good. All right, I'm good.
0: Uh, yeah, the only thing that stopped me is I got to pee, but uh, you know that's. Uh, <laughs> don't worry about me.
1: Hey, it's all fine yeah. and good. Yeah, it's all fine and good.
0: Um, <laughs> all right, so here is a um, another coral that i uh, i've never had this coral before the uh, the aci
1: can you hear me my buds died. i can hear you They're both dead.
0: can you hear me okay
1: good yeah no i can okay. hear you fine i just was didn't sure if there was gonna be an echo or whatnot but yeah I so what i'm fine. showing
0: now chris is the uh, the aci toxic and aquapora which is a <sighs> i've never had one of these before and and um so awesome. it uh wow. it grows really fast for me it um it's just, it's, fragile. it's it's fragile, right? Because, uh, yeah, that's like, that was like current as of today in terms of my bigger piece. But I've got a lot of other frags yep. in the frag tank because it, uh, they broke off, <laughs> you know, During it,
1: it wasn't that, yeah. so <laughs> <laughs> Well, that coral came from Vincent as well. I um, see every Anacropora that I have on my farm came from Vincent, except for the new one that I'm getting ready to add, which is very similar to that one but it's got pink polyps really pink polyps
0: yeah and that green pink how is that possible
1: i don't know (laughs) nature's amazing that's all i got to say nature is absolutely amazing it didn't have that when it came in and i sent vincent a picture of it a couple of weeks ago and he's like where'd you get that i'm like you and he's like well, I don't have anything that's that green with that pink polyps. And I'm like, oh, that's right. You don't, there's minor trace elements and you don't do the other thing. And he's like, now I really got to start looking into this a little bit more. He's like, how the hell do you have pink polyps on that thing? He's like, I've never seen anything like that. I'm like, yeah, it's absolutely stunning. Um, I've seen a red polyp, like a darker green one before. But never one that's that bright with that with that with pink polyps like that. And the, the toxic is just a phenomenal piece, and now I get to have another little mix with adding something with pink polyps. To that it. that pretty is cool.
0: pretty cool, man, uh, for sure. So a couple of comments: uh, Woody's Wicked Reef. Yeah, this is a good good idea. Put yourself on a cockwasser drip, and you can go all night. Laugh out loud! And there you go. I gotta, I gotta, gotta be uh, a little ingenuitive. <laughs> um, uptown reef keeper. what's Chris's most sentimental coral in the farm? Most sentimental.
1: Gosh, you gotta do that to me. <laughs> I, honestly, I don't know if I can even just name one. Um, there, there's so many corals that have been through pretty much every up and down that we've experienced to date that I think there's too many of them for me to just pick one of them. I, if I you had I honestly, to like pick, pick
0: one coral that, you know, let, let's say, you know, you, you were uh the system was like getting wiped out you had to like save one coral. What would that one coral be?
1: It's gotta be my Seherst annoying. Then my kryptonite, It's got to be that coral. I'll never be able to sell fragments of that coral. (laughs) (laughs) I've just accepted that fact. Um, So
0: harsh (laughs) realities.
1: Now, it's funny because I've gotten some more from Vincent and other mariculture facilities since the original piece is now down to a little bit of AB frag again um, that are doing extremely well and growing faster than the original piece that I've been. Finagling with for about what seven <laughs> years now. <laughs> they they're like so big and beautiful, and I had the problem with the one that was grown over the four by four eight inch tile or four inch tiles. They're growing faster than the original piece that I've been trying to keep alive for seven years. I don't understand what that means, why that is. Um, if somebody can help enlighten me with <laughs> what the heck the difference between that sonoy is and the ones that I got from Vincent, you know, in the last two years. Because according to Vincent, they're all from the same motherpieces. So it's the same damn genetics. And you're talking about
0: Vincent uh, Chalice. Chalice, yes.
1: Yes. Yes. He's coming up here in September Yeah, he's he's going to be a
0: guest on the show. I'm really excited to have him, man. And thank you, dude, for uh, hooking me up with him in terms of being a guest on the show.
1: Gene on the 22nd from Reef Explaining ICP the way it needs to be explained so that people can understand it. That's what I'm excited about for people to actually be able to understand what an ICP test is, how it operates, and why it's very difficult to keep consistency in them, and why you got to be watching who you're sending your samples to. um, Online, but anyway, um, yeah, it's uh, exciting to have Vincent and and Gene on. You're gonna you're you're gonna have a good time. sure.
0: All right, man. I got I got three more calls to show, and um, this next one is uh, is a really cool one. Talk about fragile. The ACI Manila Sky. Dude. Manila spy. spy. I'm sorry. Spy. Did I say Sky? Manila, Manila Spy. spy. It's,
1: actually, it's actually the Jake Adams Manila is Spy. It,
0: talk to us about this. This is a unique, uh, this is a whole interesting backstory on this coral, right? There is a very
1: interesting backstory. I don't know the entire thing exactly. I just know that the, something about a spy, something about Manila... And it's here in the U.S.
0: Yeah, Jake wrote Um, an article about it, right?
1: Yeah, he did write a whole article about it. I think he's written about it many a times. Um, And he's passed it around to a lot of different places. And unfortunately, the big names in this industry didn't even use the name that Jake put on it. They put their own name on it. And I was like, dude, I would never do that to you. Um, when you get me this coral, when I get it big, when I get enough of it to farm, I'm gonna put the name on that it deserves because you were the original person to have it, if I remember correctly, and um, that's that's you know important to me is to give credit where credit's due, not to be your own entity yeah. on everything and every aspect of what you do. I mean, if I get a named coral from somebody that I know that they've been growing and farming, they're gonna get the coral's gonna get the name. Now, if it takes me five years to grow it out and I forget the name, then Sorry, but, you know, but for the most part, you know, I try to, yeah, I try to use the names that were, that were when I purchased them. Um, if it's a wild imported piece that we have, I'm sorry, but it's not your blah, 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 because it's not the same coral. It's a wild import that I got. You got a different wild piece. It's different genotype, different genetics. Everything is different about the coral, even though they look very similar, um, It should be, um, in my opinion, the way the name game thing has just made things so difficult. um, It should be, there should be some standards put into the industry, and there's not. And to get this industry to come together, I don't know if it'll ever happen. I think everybody wants to be their own entity. I want to come together with as many people as I can. It's but, uh, yeah.
0: It's it's uh. There's a lot of uh. You know, a, a lot of it's about marketing and what have you, and putting a uh, fancy name on stuff and jacking up prices. So that's an unfortunate yeah.
2: It's
1: about. This.
0: It's, about this. it's
1: yeah. about this right here, and disgusts me more than anything because we're talking about that's a whole other shell, right? it is a whole other show.
0: That's four hours alone. <laughs> all right man so i got i got two more and um these are uh two pieces that i picked up from you this past uh, april and the first one is the uh the aci pink panther which is um so you know whenever i get a a frag in i chop off the um the base right and i do the month quarantine i do several dips and all that stuff. So i put it through the ringer so this is already you know encrusted back over on the base since i, I chopped it nice. and uh you know it was pissed off when it when it went into quarantine and it was not a uh, happy camper in fact it was kind of teetering a little bit <laughs> you know in in terms of like whether or not it was gonna like uh, hang in there but uh, it did and and now it seems to be pretty happy
1: And, you know, Keith, when that coral starts growing out for you and it starts to do the tabling and it looks like a – I mean, to me, it reminds me of a tabling bottle Oh, wow. Nice. The coral lights – you know, and I, I have to thank Jake right now. I mean, I would not have that coral back and you wouldn't have that coral from my facility if it wouldn't have been for me sending a piece of it to Jake and, you know, the reefer's code that used to be the the standard in hobbyists uh, around this country has disappeared in for, for the most part. It hasn't completely, but it has for the most part. And when I told Jake I lost my Pink Panthers um, and he had gotten a frag of it from me, he's like, oh, dude, just let me know when you're ready and I'll, I'll send it back to you. Well if it wouldn't be for him, I wouldn't have that coral back and you wouldn't have it in your possession because when he sent it back to me, I had it for six months and he had it for a year and it only grew into a little colony with a couple little branches and it was just starting to put yeah. a little table out. And in six months I'm like, Hey Jake, I'm releasing this, the pink Panther again. Like, what? <laughs> what, what? So fast. I was like, yeah, that thing's a wow. weed for me. Um, it actually turned into a turtle lately for some odd reason. I don't understand that. Um, it slowed down in its growth, but you know, I guess I guess coral's gonna be moody. Just yeah, like people. no,
0: that's for sure. <laughs> um, all right, the last one I got here is the uh, the ACI Crimson, and this is a uh, shot of it in my uh, display tank under uh, LEDs, and and the same deal. You know, I chopped this thing off from the uh, the base of the plug, and it's already encrusted back on the plug, and and uh, it's starting to get pretty happy. But dude, man, this thing looks like it's gonna be a winner.
1: It is. It is an absolutely ridiculous coral, and. The fragments don't do the coral justice, in my opinion. I mean, I've always been a colony-type person to look at. You know, I mean, you can make a booger frag look stupid insane, but sometimes there's boogers that are insanely beautiful when they grow into a colony. like, really? <laughs> is that what you look like? Because <laughs> um, the tip is always the, you know, and a lot of those rainbow type corals are always the best-looking part, and the rest of the body isn't as nice. That coral right there, it was a – I honestly – Contemplated whether I should even put it onto the farm because it, it just wasn't that nice when I saw the original colony. And that's another piece that came from uh, Indonesia. Um, I just said, you know what, I'm going to put it on anyhow. I put it on, and as it grew out and started encrusting and started throwing into a colony, the white, the single white tentacle on every single polyp was just like
0: that. It, it is so amazing, is man. I mean, so amazing. <laughs> that's so unique. You don't see that.
1: It's longer than all the rest. It's like there's one finger being stuck out.
0: <laughs> it's so cool. Uh, so your wife is saying, uh, man, the little frags look so different when it grows out. It's, it's so beautiful. Yeah. I, I think I saw the, uh, the mothers in your, uh, in your uh, systems. And Jake uh, is saying in, in his defense regarding the uh, Pink Panther, uh, it was before I realized my nutrients had bottomed out so much.
1: Hey, we all run into issues. These two, you. I run into issues, and I admit it. It's, that's the part of being a reefer is, is, is accepting your faults and growing from there. And Jake will always grow from there. I, I know that for a fact because he loves corals just like I do. And if you can't grow from your mistakes – don't
0: <laughs> so all right man that's my uh, little book report my little show and tell in terms of the stuff that i got from you guys and and uh, you know like i said in the past if um if you folks want some of um the aci corals and please reach out to your local uh fish store i mean i've got i've got frags but um i would probably prefer you go through uh your local uh local fish store first before you come to me um dude so you've got um, a big thing going on in aquashella in august a frag off, right? Talk about that.
1: Well, you know, it was, it was so uh, it was it was kind of a uh, humbling for me that you know that Sean Hale and George Mavrakis and and, and the entire Aquashella crew uh, came to me and asked me if I would be the head judge for the uh, frag off, and I was like, yeah, of course I'll do that. That sounds like fun. And um, we've done we did every Aquashella last year, and um, we did the Orlando show this year. And Jake's been there with me as a judge. Julian's been a judge with me. And then it's kind of evolved from the original. And I guess, well, what happens now? If The original Frag Off, we had the winner was the guest judge at the next Aquashella. Well, that's changed a little bit. And the the winner at that city is next year's guest judge. So this year in Dallas, Frank Garner from, um, from uh, Frank's Tanks, the uh, developer of Faptasia is going to be a judge there with me. And Jake's going to be in Australia. So um, Kevin Berta, because he was the original winner and we've gone through a lot of judging together. Um, he's, so Kevin's going to judge, I'm going to judge and Frank's going to judge. But, you know, we. we I, I thought about this for the last, uh, ever since the Orlando show, you know, what, what, what can we do to entice this, to make this more exciting for people to want to come to the frag off and actually get free frags, free frags, free frags frags everybody if you want to go to dallas and you want to get some free frags that are going to be done right there there's couples doing it this year um i decided to take it a step farther you know with um aci and and just becoming you know basically this you know asking um adam and sean and the crew over there about they they used to have somebody that would sponsor the show well they used to pay me for all the corals that i would bring to the show that would be fragged up and i'm like, well that doesn't make any sense. Why am I not donating aquacultured corals, hundred percent aquacultured corals to the frag off for these guys to frag, to give away yeah. for free. And, um, so this year's the, uh, this, this show at Dallas is the first show that we're doing, um, 100% aquacultured corals. So we've got an over, uh, overgrown, um, Johnny jump up bird's nest. Um, we've got overgrown, um, uh, Pumpkin Echinadas, which has been on the market through ACI, one of our lineage corals since 2018. The Giant uh, Jump Up, I think, has been since 2018, and I think the Bowser Chalice has been since 2021 that we released it. But they're 100% aquaculture, we're going to frag them up, and then we're going to draw some names out of a hat uh, until the frags are gone. And people are going to get free fragments of aquaculture corals that we've been farming here at ACI for years.
0: That's awesome, man. And and so what's the date on that
1: Aquashella show? The 6th, and the, 6th and the 7th of August. Yep. Next week. Well, not this weekend, but next weekend in Dallas.
0: Hopefully it won't be scorching hot. Yeah, I'm sure it will be. <laughs> well, you're used to that with me in Florida in the summertime.
1: Right. Well, I'm used to it here. It's definitely, but the dry heat over there is what yeah, I'm not going to be used yeah. to, I'm sure.
0: All right, man. So uh, I think we're pretty much like at the two and a half hour mark. This has got to be a record. I think this this has got to oh. be a record. So, man, any uh, Chris, any final words? I want to thank you for um, for being on the show. This was a lot of fun, as uh, per usual.
1: No, I mean the only thing I have to say is, you know, anybody that's that's at a reef aquarium, um, don't overthink things. Um, trust the people that you're taking advice from. And uh, don't take advice from more than one person on how to maintain your aquarium. If you do, you could be in for a recipe for disaster. Just trust somebody that you know knows what they're doing. Um, aquaculture is our future, and um, that's what we're all about. And I appreciate everything you've done for us, Keith, and tonight bringing us on here to the show. And I look forward to doing it again. Sometime Absolutely, soon.
0: man. Always uh, love having you on, Chris. So listen, I want to give my uh, sincere thanks to Chris for being on tonight's uh, live stream. I also want to thank again both Bulk Reef Supply and EcoTech Marine for. Uh, for sponsoring the live stream and supporting the show and also want to thank all you folks out there for tuning in as uh, well as you uh, folks that did the super chat thank you thank you big thank you to paul the uh, the moderator and i also want to let you folks know that all episodes of wrapping with reef bum are available as podcasts on spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, stitcher and amazon my next wrapping with reef bum live stream will be on thursday august 11th taking next week off at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with Dr. Eli Meyer from Aquabiomics. We'll have him back on. That should be another a great episode. If you want to check out the full schedule of upcoming guests for Wrapping with ReefBum, please visit ReefBum.com under the YouTube section. Until then, be safe and be well, and we'll see you next time.
1: Thank you. Have a great night.